Promotional consideration paid for by the following. My movie. What is it? I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? Kevin. Dylan. Son of a bitch. What are you trying to tell me that I can dodge bullets? I'm Michael George. Stop it. Get some help. Tony Moto, the terrorists have the president's daughter in the old bean factory off the 101. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad you will die. The Wash it down with one beer, two beers, three beers, a shot of whiskey. Brother, brother. I'm like my brother. Wait. I'm erasing your face right now. Your face doesn't exist. Edward! Where'd you find this son of a bitch? He's a friend of mine from school. A friend? Billy, what's his name, show? Look at a match for the total package of Lex Luger and My movie. Better. My, my movie. What is it? I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? My movie's better. Can he afford to pay me to wrestle run? I don't know. Altman understood Shelley Duvall's singular attractiveness was her strangeness was her oddity that's what makes her attractive and and used that so well i would actually say he used it even better in three women but but in this film again it's like you could see uh he really knew how to utilize both of those actors because like right. honestly at first keith carradine took a little while to and i love him as an actor but he was, yeah they're both very young so like yeah well it's like i feel like you don't start feeling for him until like their story warms up right a bit right more. like once he starts to kind of like settle down with her mm -hmm. you know uh can you hear me good i can yeah cool cool all right cool. you ready yeah let's freaking let's rock and roll it. baby yeah. welcome to the 39th episode of My Movies Better. I'm Kevin. I'm Dylan. And this week we are covering a very popular theme for the group. Um, it is Neo Noir. And these are films that came out after 1960 and are throwbacky to the film noir period of the like 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Which we covered a little bit in the uh, episode where we covered The Third Man would be a good example of a film noir. Or uh, yep. also The Player is another great example of a neo-noir. Um, but so yeah, these films are known for having being dark and having uh, blurred lines of good and evil and basically all the stuff we're going to talk about in these three films yeah, today. Yeah, if you don't know, you'll uh, know. Yeah, and these three films are Dylan... Uh, so we have uh, Thieves Like Us, which came out in 1974. We have uh, Drive, which came out in 2011. And then we have Blood Simple, which is uh, the Coen Brothers' first movie. It came out in 1984? Correct. 84, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and uh, all three of these films are pretty, I think, they're, they're sort of lesser known except for maybe Drive. Yeah, uh, that drive is pretty yeah. well known. Yeah, yeah. actually, no, right when I started saying that, um, Blood Simple and, and and Thieves Like Us are pretty uh, are pretty much like unknown for their directors. 
uh, in the, the mainstream, I would say. Yeah, they're like off the beaten path of really popular yeah. directors. Yeah, you know, like, like you've definitely watched a movie by those directors. Definitely, but probably not these ones. Um, but we will talk more about them after we talk about our weird movie of the week. Very strange. Yeah, this one is. This is a good one. Uh, I'm very excited <laughs> about this one. This movie is called Shark Night, or Shark Night 3D, as it was advertised in Europe and Asia, but not in the U.S., because they were like, the U.S. will think that's dumb. Let's drop the 3D. It's a 2011 American horror film directed by the great David R. Ellis, and actually it's his last film before his death. And it oh, starred, rest in peace. Yeah, it starred Sarah Paxton and Catherine McPhee. And uh, it, the story revolves around seven college friends from Tulane University who spend a weekend at a lake house near Louisiana's Lake Pontchartrain. Shortly after their arrival, the group experiences terrifying saltwater shark attacks. <laughs> because this is the guy who directed Snakes on a Plane. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, come on. He was He's got sick. a thing. Of these mother, what was it, monkey humping? <laughs> no, it's was monkey jumping. Oh yeah. my god, dude. sharks <laughs> in this motherfucking lake. <laughs> um, no, I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. It's actually kind of interesting though. It, the uh, they, they used animatronic sharks that were built by Edge Innovations who worked on such iconic films as Deep Blue Sea, uh, also starring Sam Jackson. Hell yep. Uh, Austin Powers and Goldmember. Hell fucking yes. yes. And even the Free Willy himself, the Orca. Whoa, Free was Willy. made by yeah. the same company? Yes. Wow. At Edge Innovations. Wow, um, they got some serious talent. Yeah, and uh, let's see. That's about all that's interesting about that. But it's a, it's one of those, uh, it's snakes on a plane, but it's sharks in a lake. Right. It literally like, is. You ever see that movie that's uh, like the piranhas at the... Um, piranhas at the, the store. No, they're piranhas in like a water park. Oh, yeah. You, know, piranhas I feel at, like you that's, mean piranhas at the water park? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that is a genre in its own. Of, yeah. of like yeah. movies like that, like yeah, snakes like, on a plane, yeah, sharks, like sharks, sharks in a in tornado. A, yeah, sharks. Ex yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like there's got to be a way to like encompass all yeah. of those in one thing. You know, it's, um, uh, anim yeah. animals in unlikely places. Yeah, movies. right. <laughs> <We> should, <laughs> yeah, monster yeah. animals in unlikely. That's places. a that's a theme for later down the line. Right. Um, yeah. So it's it very uh, it sounds very interesting. Also. Uh, so the original name for the film was um, its working title was Untitled Shark Thriller 3D, and that's <laughs> actually uh, that was spoofed by somebody I forget who it was, but but because of how it feels like that sh like that title would have been better. Yeah, and I agree. Because if it, I stumbled upon that movie, I'd watch it. Right, and it, when I was reading about it, that's when I stumbled upon him being the director of Snakes on a Plane. Okay. I was like, oh right, okay, that makes more sense now. Like I knew he directed a lot of B movies, but I forgot yeah. he directed that particular movie. Right, I just and love the simplicity of the themes. Yeah. There's snakes <laughs> on a plane. What are we going to call yeah. this movie? Snakes on a plane. Snakes Why plane. the fuck Duh. not? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Darn. Um, and I will also give it this. like, Just like the snakes being on the plane was explained by a plot thing in the movie, even better in this movie, uh, the lake where it takes place 
is one of those like swampy bayou lakes that's on the Gulf of Mexico. So like it's within the realm of possibility a shark could somehow get in there. Yeah, because it's not like this super yeah, far it fetched. connects to the fucking ocean. So right. I guess they could get in there. That's <laughs> the idea. And it's not like it's like Minnesota or something where it takes place. Like some inland lake and the fucking sharks in there like that. Like what was that? Uh, what was that movie with the fucking Lake Placid? Oh yeah, <laughs> but that movie's Fuck. awesome. Yeah, but like, We're not it's like was that, that like <laughs> was it like a giant like prehistoric crocodile or some? Yeah, shit? it's yeah. like some weird dinosaur-ish creature, right? Which know? is like undoubtedly cool, but also like hyper-realistic. Yeah, it's also kind of <laughs> dumb when you think about it too much. So yeah, I mean that's not the yeah. point of these movies. You know, exactly. you don't like watch snakes on a plane to be like, well. How'd this happen? <laughs> no, you watch it to watch Sam Jackson say the MF word several yeah, times. Yeah, like and, a bunch. And like, and like prob- he probably like looks at a snake and he's like, fucking snake! <laughs> <laughs> like shoots his head off. Like I'm sure so, like, so many unnecessary right. gunshots. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In a plane. In a plane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love how movies lo- love that thing. There's actually, I think it was a James Bond movie that, that, and I'm pretty sure it was one of the Pierce Brosnan ones where they like did a thing where it was like, no, don't shoot the gun in the plane. And then someone shot it, and it did what would happen. And like, act, yeah, broke a window and happen. depressurized the cabin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, like, I feel like that's super overlooked yeah. in movies. Like, do it. It's it real. Totally that's is. what would happen. Yeah. <laughs> we know that. Uh, before we take a break and move on, though, yeah. I did want to say uh, we lost a good. Uh, we did. I'm glad you today. brought this up because yeah. I did want to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was podcast favorite. He was. Daniello. Actually, um, actually, yes, he goes all the way back to episode one. The first ever episode. Yeah, we yeah. covered so. Jacob's Ladder and uh, Danny Aiello is one of the stars of that. Yeah, and uh, he unfortunately passed away today at age 86. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he lived a good life and we just want to say Thank you, Danny, yeah, thank for everything you, Danny. you did. You know, yeah, he's also in my one of my other favorite movies, The Stuff. He has a Hell cameo yeah. in that, and he gets killed by a dog. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that wants to eat the stuff. But and, uh, you, if you don't know any of those movies, you you probably know him from Do the Right Thing. Yeah, you might that's, know him from that. Yeah, he, that's probably his most. Uh, that's probably his best, like most accoladed role. Yeah, <laughs> or whatever. exactly. Yeah, but um, he has other really fun roles in really random movies, so you should does, dig into yeah. some stuff if Definitely. you're not familiar. Definitely. But yeah, so rest in peace, Danny. Rest in peace, big guy. Hell yeah. All right, so uh, with that, we're going to take a somber break where I play some like hilarious sound clips to make <laughs> you feel better. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then we'll, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, then we'll come back for uh, Thieves Like Us. Hell yeah. <laughs> In his previous films, M.A.S.H., Brewster McCloud, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Images, and The Long Goodbye, Robert Altman has proven to be one of America's most original and exciting filmmakers. Now, Robert Altman presents his most original and exciting film, Thieves Like Us. You can't go after this. What are you doing? Maddie, let go. Where are those men out there? Everybody stand still. Did you shoot that man in selfie? 
was him or me. Who's your fella? Why do you ask that? Most girls have a fella, that's all. Thus did Romeo and Juliet consummate their first interview by falling madly in love with each other. I ain't looking for trouble anymore. <laughs> Never been a partner. He wants me to take good care of you. Hell, he'll never get three boys together like us again. All right, so um, we're going to start with Thieves Like Us. It is a 1974 American neo-noir crime road film directed by Robert Altman, who we talked about before in The Player, uh, and it is starring uh, Kenneth uh, Carradine. Kenneth! Ken- oh my god. Bro. Hold on, go back, go back. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so was, we're gonna... <laughs> I'm not cutting that. Yeah, that you cut that, dude. I'm cut that. <laughs> Oh my god! All right, yeah, whatever. Kenneth, I have Perry. to put this. I have to make an outtake section. I yeah, guess. Yeah, you do. <laughs> All right, so um, we're gonna start with thieves like us. <laughs> it's a 1974 American neo noir crime road film directed by Robert Altman and starring uh, Keith Carradine and Shelley Duvall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the film is based on a novel, Thieves Like Us, by Edward Anderson. Uh, it is the source material for the 1948 film uh, They Live by Night, uh, directed by Nicholas Ray. Right. Which uh, is a regular noir, not a neo. Right, it's because an, of the yeah. time it comes how do you, up. How do you say old? What's the opposite of neo? Old? Old? <laughs> yeah. How do you say old in Latin? Oh, my <laughs> um, God. Yeah, yeah but uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a novel that had been adapted a couple times. It was adapted for screen like that. Uh, it was adapted for stage. You know, it's been... It's been yeah. told. Yeah. Um, the supporting cast of that movie includes uh, Louise Felcher and uh, Tom Skerritt. Yeah. Uh, the film was uh, a contender at uh, Cannes Film Festival, baby. Yeah. It in 1974, was. when it came out. Exactly. Yeah. So, like we said, uh, Keith Carradine's in it. Shelley Duvall. Uh, they play the two lead people, uh, Bowie and Kichi. Uh, John Shuck is in it as Crim. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Chickama. Cr- yeah, Chickama. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's every time they're talking about him, he's just I fucked know. up. Um, oh, really? Talking in this movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Um, yeah, we got some yeah. uh, taglines. So the taglines for this movie only got two. Uh, one of them is just a romance, <laughs> which is yeah. I mean, it's basically Romeo and Juliet, and actually, while they're having sex. Romeo and Juliet's a playing in the background. Yeah, it's it, like a it just restart. Yeah, it's the weird. second time. <laughs> yeah, that actually happens a lot. We'll talk about that in a second. Yep. The music and is in score in this is really interesting. Yeah. Um, r- the other tagline is robbing thirty six banks was easy. Watch what happens when they hit the thirty seven. <laughs> Spoiler alert: They fucking one of them died. Yeah. They all die. They all fucking yep. die. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> It's Bonnie and Clyde, basically. If you've seen Bonnie and Clyde, you will get the basic gist of of this movie, but n- plot-wise, not what Altman does with it, because once again, Robert Altman is a fucking genius, and he's a wizard of filmmaking, and this movie, even though the, I would say this is one of his like B-tier movies, yeah. is still 
really interesting what he does with the essentially the the Bonnie and Clyde gangster, you know, prohibition gangster epic uh is is interesting. Yeah, um, for sure. So it had a budget of a million bucks about and uh it a box office of 0.3 million bucks. So it was not a success uh, at the box office, and it has not been a success uh, past that either. Right. It is one of his <laughs> least known films. However, I did find it has a like strong. It's always sort of reviewed as being like a meh film, but it has a strong following online of people who really, really like it. And and so, like I read through a couple reviews of it. I found in this one just like there's warmth from reviewers who you seem to just like really like the movie, but they weren't really saying why they were just talking about the movie in general. And right. so like it, it feel like, you know, you don't get that until you actually watch it. The movie's very warm for a movie about like bank robbers and yeah, murderers. Yeah, and shit. exactly. Just straight up yeah. old school criminals. Definitely. Yeah. They have a very weird, like heartwarming appeal to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's weird cause there's like polite, murder yeah <laughs> in a way you know it's, yeah it's strange uh but yeah it, it does have a 90 percent fresh uh and a 72 percent based on like all the audience scores mm-hmm. um roger ebert of the chicago sun times gave the film three and a half stars out of four writing that it quote no doubt has all sorts of weaknesses uh in character and plot but which manages a visual strategy so perfectly controlled that we get an uncanny feel uh, for this time in this place. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree with that. A, a super, super, super strong part of this film is the aesthetic of everything. Mm. The cars, the outfits, totally. the costume design, the sets. Yep. Like, it was predominantly filmed in uh, Mississippi, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. It was, like, where a lot of the, the scenes were just shot. Yeah. And it just looks so fucking oh, yeah. perfect for what's happening. And it also features a lot of Altman's signature, like, everything happening at once foreground background action just yeah. happening at once one of my favorites is the scene where uh they're driving and all the they see all the, you see all the kids running after the coca tr- coca-cola truck oh to get yeah free soda yep. like that is really stunning because it's like and Coca-Cola in general in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I had to do some serious research. I was looking around and yeah. trying to figure out if Coca-Cola funded this movie in any way. No. And I couldn't is, find no, anything about no. it. It's just pure like... This is this is a statement yeah, by Robert 100%. Altman. It's an anti-Coca-Cola statement yeah, by Robert just, Altman. Talking about how we'll, healthy it is. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit <laughs> later. Um, Yeah, I did a little bit of research into that as well. Uh, But yeah... Go on with the uh, with the oh, critics yeah, yeah, yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so uh, Don Drucker or Drucker Drucker John, Don Drucker possibly. of the Chicago Reader says uh, at times unbearably objective. Yeah. Okay, I understand. Yeah, it's definitely a, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's a Bonnie and Clyde story. Yeah. I mean, there's weird like possessive love, and there's weird like possessive friendship mentality yeah. where there's like a leader and a bottom tier person yeah. and, and like lots of like thoroughly researched period vernacular where you're yeah. just like oh god can these people stop talking oh, like this 100 percent. yep a little <laughs> a little right. uh unbearable yeah, sometimes, you yeah. know? <laughs> um so user alex r calls it uh, it really dragged <laughs> from time to time, and I couldn't focus on it at certain points. Not as interesting as it sounds. No. Okay, buddy. Well, 
Take that. Yeah, wrote the review while he was watching the movie, probably. Right. I have no <laughs> idea what's happening. <laughs> um, so, and user Andy K raves. Uh, what is this? A link? To- <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a, a link. link to a blog. HTTP <laughs> yeah. dot dot slash slash <laughs> film reviews and such dot blogspot dot com, which, yes, is a link to his film blog, which I just thought was as a funny What an one. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Is hey he hasn't updated it since 2018. I did look through it. They're very short reviews, so I'm like, why couldn't you just post that on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. Hey man, hey you got to get those clicks somehow, yeah, right? man. You got to generate. The I'm clicks. paying for this. Well, actually, yeah. Blogspot's free. Is it? Yeah, Maybe Blogspot is free. Well, you can you can. Uh, he's he's got trying to premium. upgrade to WordPress. Yeah, he's got, so you need he's a, got you premium need Blogspot, clicks. which I'm sure exists. Yeah. So this movie came out on February 11th, 1974. Which, strangely enough, is the birthday of Alex Jones. Yeah. Alex Jones the of InfoWars was born on the same day this movie came out. Which, normally, I don't find a lot of like famous people or whatever birthdays, usually. Uh, so, it's always fun to find one of those. But this one just made me Dude. chuckle. I was oh like, oh God. my goodness. What a little bastard. Um, but more fun than that, we have some great films that were released around the same time. Oh, yeah, we do. Including a another uh, film about some outlaws, Blazing Saddles. Hell, yeah. Um, as well as Gojira Tai Mecha Gojira, or Gojira versus Mecha Godzilla. Uh, Spasmo and our... Oh, wait. I almost picked this other movie as a weird movie of the week, so I wrote that. But scratch that. It's not our weird movie of the week, but it was close. The oh, tr- damn. Yeah, The Trial of Billy Jack. Oh, cool. And uh, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Billy Jack? No. It's a movie about a guy who's like, it was a white dude, but like he's playing a guy who was like a half white, half Native American. And they're just ridiculous, ridiculous movies. Like, oh, I, one day we'll have to cover one. I can't even really put it into words. But the second one is even more, per- is even more particularly ridiculous oh, than the first. God. But they're, they're known, I, I feel like they're the type of movies that have been covered as, uh, they're considered like good, bad movies. Oh, cool. Generally, yeah. Um, cause they're just like ridiculous old B movies. So yeah, I almost yeah. picked it, but Trial then I found, Billy Jack. then I found that shark movie and that was just right. That's got to take a cake. Yeah. Um, so music is, uh, for these first couple movies, is pretty yeah. tight. I'm yeah, we guess, about this we're one. in the mid seventies. Yeah. yeah. So we're in the pocket right now. Yeah. Welcome to the pocket. Uh, so the song in the U S was love's theme by Barry White. <laughs> Uh, and his orchestra, the Love Unlimited Orchestra. Yeah, which he uh, conducted. Yeah, which is a video, a badass video on YouTube of yeah. him conducting the orchestra. And he's grooving the yeah, whole time. And he's, he's not even singing. It. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, what's going he's on? He's like, guess what? Putting the putting the old voice on the shelf for this one. Hell yeah. You know, And dope. we're just doing a dope, yeah. smooth, sexual instrumental. Right. He's just showing <laughs> like, his versatility yeah. as an artist. Just know? crushing it. <laughs> um, and then in the UK, the top song was uh, Lulu's version of The Man Who Sold the World. Which was David a super fucking popular David Bowie song. Yeah. yeah. Which is also covered in a much better, in my opinion, cover by uh, the band Midge Array. Which is in... I thought you were going to say Nirvana. Oh, Nirvana, <laughs> yes, did do it too. But no, the Midge Uri version is my favorite. It's, I was it's, like, oh. uh, 
It's like an electronica version. Oh, and hell yeah. Yeah, it was featured as the, like, basically the theme song of Metal Gear Solid Five: Phantom Pain. What a thrill. Oh, so man. that's where I first heard it, and I was like, this is sick. Is this, like, fucking, ele- like, Bowie, like, go redo this song? And they, cause it, <laughs> the guy singing it, it sounds a lot like Bowie in uh, the cover. okay, okay. But, uh, so, like... But yeah, I was like, holy shit, like, is this fucking, like, some, it was just like, oh, I'm in my electronica phase now, so right. whip this up real quick, you know, make a cool meal. Um, oh my god, this make a cool Official meal. David Bowie impression, <laughs> yeah. But, um, so like, but no, it's not, and it's, it's awesome. It's, it definitely has this, like, really, really sinister tone that fits with the Metal Gear Solid franchise, so. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. Um, in video games, in 1974, we saw the release of such new titles as Shark Jaws, Speed Race, and Dungeon. And uh, Taito released Basketball, <laughs> <laughs> an early example of sport. Just video games are such an open I know. field. You're I like, love what it. are we calling it? <laughs> basketball. basketball. That's hey. it. Hey, did anybody? Is there, has anybody made basketball yeah. yet? Yeah, yeah. fucking yeah, Taito made basketball. <laughs> oh, Shit, we're gonna make basketball too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was an early example of sprite graphics, uh, and it used to represent the baskets and player characters. And it is also, therefore, the first video game with human figures. Yeah, that's crazy. crazy. Basketball. Right? Uh, the same month, Midway licensed the game for a North American release under the title TV Basketball, making it also the first Japanese game licensed for a North American release. Oh, so hell that's yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Toys came out, too. That's yeah. cool. I've been watching that show, The Toys That Made oh, us I love on Netflix. Show. Yeah, it's, oh, it's so fascinating. It's, um, but, oh. So this is 1974. You know, this is starting. There's a lot of innovation mm. in toy mm-hmm. making at this point. Uh, so the top toy in 1974 was uh, Tonka Trucks. Uh, construction trucks, <laughs> hell yeah. What the hell do you think it was? It was talking fucking construction trucks. Uh, they were like 11 bucks, yeah. or 15 <laughs> bucks or so, you know? And But they were huge. Right. Big ass Tonkas just all over these people's living rooms. They were the shit, man. Yeah, insane. What is this? Matchbox garage? Yeah, it was a yep. garage for your matchbox cars. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, we don't know how much those were. No, it had And no then place. a Magic 8 ball. Yep, yeah, remember that, that was, guy? Yeah, hey, that thing. Yeah, that thing hey, would be still be popular. Po- right? And those things would still be popular and a dollar ninety nine in the nineties, probably. A hundred percent. Right. Um, and then what is it? Play school McDonald's. Yes, yeah, it was a little play, play set, McDon- like a little play set. McDonald's. Rock and roll, play school McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's is a place to rock. It is a restaurant where they buy food to eat. It is a good place to listen to the music. People flock here to get down to the rock music. Rock and roll like five bucks. I assume it's like some fucking McDonald's place. Yeah, there. I was surprised at this price, but um, yeah, it's like a it was like a McDonald's playset. Like a, just a, a McDonald's. Yeah, like, it was like <laughs> I don't know. You got that like little so guys, funny. yeah, little like McDonald's employees. Yeah, and like people shit, and, they're at McDonald's. I don't know, man. <laughs> It's like I get Lego, but I don't get that. You yeah. know, literally. <laughs> I don't. Know. I guess you picked yeah. your battle. For any, <laughs> any of you listeners who don't know me, I literally have a shit ton of Lego. I'm in surrounded my house. by I potentially Lego. millions but of like, Lego yeah, no, pieces right I now. I don't. Un- I I did understand Matchbox cars, but I did not understand like essentially dioramas where you could play with shit, unless it was like fucking Avengers, which or like Marvel. I guess we would have called it back then, or like yeah. X Men or some shit. You know, I would have been like, like no, why yeah, would I want to play McDonald's? Wrestling action you know? figures. Yeah, wrestling. Yeah, give me a wrestling ring. 
Oh, hell yeah. Oh, That's tangent. I had this wrestling ring that I got for Christmas since <laughs> it is the month of December. Oh, you didn't know? The best present I ever received. You better call somebody. It was, and I've looked it up before. I've tried to get it. It's really hard to find. It was like this, this mini size wrestling ring. You know, and yeah. it had little tiny, like smaller than than like the six inch GI Joe wrestling figures, right? It had like Stone Cold, Mankind, Kane, fucking Billy, Billy Gunn, the fucking ass man, oh, like yeah. Road Dog, Fuck and yeah. it had a steel cage you could erect around it, and like all this different shit, and like a tables that would break, a bell that you could ring and stuff, dude. The same Christmas, I got N64. But I liked that present more because I, yeah. I, play all, I was just playing with my wrestling guys, making Hell Stone yeah. fucking stunner everybody. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Know? Oh, my God. I got a similar <laughs> gift that was like another ring. I had all the attributes. Nice. It had like the scaffolding that they could climb up. And I would just have Hell guys yeah. in the rings. And I'm just like, bam, throwing <laughs> exactly. my wrestling figure down like yes. the equivalent of like three feet to just body yes. slam. And I'm just there nice. like, oh, <laughs> it's the most <laughs> exhilarating toy set. Oh, yes. Hell yeah. Tangent yeah. over. Tangent done. <laughs> so, uh, as I was saying earlier, the tr- the movie music, the score of this film is very interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. Yes, it's called diegetic music, which means that it is music from the world around you. Quentin Tarantino likes to play with this idea. A lot of directors like to play this idea. It's like when the director... Uh, it, it would a great example that directors, modern directors, love to use is that you hear a song, leads you into a scene. Someone's driving a car, then the radio gets shut off, or it, like the song ends and there's a DJ talking. You know, right? And right, you right. realize, yep. oh, they're actually listening to that yeah, song. Yeah, exactly. Know? The car yeah. drives by and the music gets right. louder. Altman you know, went like. Fuck you. He put a gun to the head of that idea and went, no, I'm going to make the whole fucking movie like that. Uh And literally all the music in the film is coming from televisions or radios. And it's really cool. Yeah. It's really fucking cool, man. Yeah, like it, it plays into the plot at yeah. points. And, like, and I it's also, its own character at some points. I movie. also found it interesting that this is not the only movie that does this that we covered tonight. In fact, all three movies do this. Each one lesser so. Drive does it here and there, again, with driving in the radio music. Yep. But uh, Blood Simple does it, I would say, about 50% of the time. Yeah, the and music happens. Yeah, is that one piano song? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's a, well, yeah, there's a, the piano score, and then, but yeah, a lot of the time, it's again, it's it's the environment causing the music, right? Yeah. Um, and they actually have revisited that idea. Another film that actually contains z- of theirs where they went the Altman route and did zero, uh, uh, of score at all is No Country for Old Men. Oh shit! Watch that movie again and yeah, think damn, about how there's. To, I'm due for a rewatch dude, of that. There's so. zero music and no it's shit. haunting. It's yeah, that's it's fucking scary. Yeah, like, and it 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 creates this totally different feeling. You know, yeah. like he doesn't. They they I guess you could say you know the Coens don't provide you with the same blueprint every time and it's so interesting. Right. So I really think that they are one of those directors they take a lot from Altman because Altman does that in every single one of his movies. He likes to use a lot of the same like brushes or strokes to paint a different picture every time and it's fucking brilliant. You yeah. know? Um, oh yeah, this film also does another Altman thing. A lot of the extras in the movie are small town Mississippians. Yeah. They're just like, hey, you want to be in this movie? They're like, okay. Yeah, there's literally town folk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Sweet. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Um, yeah, and it was all pretty much sure. all. <laughs> it was pretty much all filmed on. Uh, hey, I'm from I'm from Texas uh, ancestrally, so I, I well, can do a draw. Oh man. Um, oh man, I really can't wait to talk about the next films. Uh, act, actor drawl particularly yeah, but fuck. we'll get to that in a sec so yeah uh this movie is about bank robbers who just broke out of jail and decide to continue robbing banks and being a bunch of rascals until one of them keith carradine falls madly in love and i'm not kidding you oh my god robert altman knows how to make or i don't know if it's just him or if it's also they have a really strong screen chemistry but oh my god dude one of this is this film has one of the most believable love love chemistries i've ever seen in a film yeah 100%. it just like it feels like they're actually hitting it off as people and it, it's brilliant and again i don't know who's responsible for that if it's if it's all three if it's purely direction purely acting like who knows you know but yeah I think it's all three. I think right. it's a conceited effort by all three. You know? Yeah, I think they took that plot point a little bit more seriously in this story than uh, previous tellings Definitely. of it. I, from what I've read, I hadn't seen the uh, They Live and whatever it is, you know, the the original adaptation of it in right. 48. Um, but they, they, I don't know, they just prepared for this this love interest between those two, your two main characters way more in this movie than they did seemingly in the other ones, Definitely. especially from writing, casting, because, like you said, it feels like genuine love and connection. And they're kind of weird, uh, weird casts at that point, kind of. Yep. You know, you look at the the actor and actress, you know, Shelley Duvall playing this character who is your main love interest is like, I don't know, they, they really ramp it up based on more interpersonal connection than they right. do on just throwing, like, the, the most beautiful, like, star-studded woman and some fucking hunky guy you know well also i think they're both lanky awkward people you know but i I think also that like all three of these films have a very sort of similar basic plot when you really think about it i mean both i mean both of blood simple and uh drive also rely on the two people falling in love as the you know 100 the heart of the story i guess you could say yeah but this one focuses more on the romance. Yeah, you know? definitely. And it really builds... It focuses more on the character, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that... And, and I think that's also why, like, I made the joke earlier, like, you know, a whole bunch of talking in this film. But it really is a film that's about conversations and scenes and set pieces more than it is about the action. And when the action happens, it's brutal and it means something. Yeah. And it's that's because of all of the warmth that you have been built up, you know. So by the end, spoiler alert, there the the thieves are killed, you know, and it eventually culminating in Keith Carradine being shot by federal agents in front of Shelley Duvall. And it's really fucking brutal, strong, emotional yeah. scene. She's screaming and it's just silent. It, it's like at the very end, he takes away the thing that makes action bombastic. And shows it at just its brutal truth or something, you know. Yeah, and it's, just it's the, yeah the really powerful yeah. flat line, and that know? wouldn't work as well. I mean, it would still work, but it works so well 
because you've had all this time and 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 even the other characters in it like the other two thieves are like unceremoniously removed from the movie like one of the yeah. dudes they're like oh yeah i got arrested <laughs> off screen you know yeah and then he yeah, yeah that the whole other, thing they the don't tell you that at all dies or whatever or yep. something yeah it's just like it it feels like no we know it's focused on these two it's focused on their relationship and it's a tragedy so you have to have the you know, rise before the fall. Yeah, there's so. a lot of foreshadowing of that yeah. too throughout the whole movie. You know, talking about their constant running from the law, basically. Right. You know, the Romeo and Juliet audio playing. Mm -hmm. That's literally a a tragic love story. Yeah, <laughs> I, I also think that. their general stupidity, especially the three thieves, especially oh yeah, uh, Chickama and and Keith Carradine's character. Yeah, because both. they're they're like dumb. The, the when they're the, the the when he's talking about like wanting to play baseball and and he has the glove and everything like it's like dude you have no idea you're a fucking escaped prisoner who mur you murdered someone you're yeah, a murderer your name, dude. your face is yeah. in magazines yeah they want you dead they don't they're not going to be capturing you anymore now and now you're making it even worse you're going out and robbing banks like none of them Fall understand that people. yeah they really believe they have a life out there and that yeah, makes them that, relatable yeah they try and that's based that furthers on what you were saying about it being very conversation and yep. dialogue based because they genuinely like form families and you know like you grow you watch these characters <laughs> yeah. like escape prison and grow and plan out what their right. next move in life is and there's just a lot of depth and intricacies to like mm. that whole yep. level of their characters but Every time, like a plot twist happens, it's it's there for you in words. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. not a lot of downtime. Like you said, there's a lot of talking. There's not a lot of downtime to just kind of like sit and take it in. Right, it's a right. constant discussion. Yeah, it fills in every moment, and I think that's one thing we we definitely like talked about when we we're talking about the others. That's like a problem in it, and I definitely think yeah. that is also a problem with this. Like. Because I always want to like point out that part of the reason why we put in negative user reviews isn't just to like mock people, which we do, and haha, <laughs> fuck you, people, if you don't yeah. like that. But like, but it really is that's a true thing, you know. Like, it, I'm I really don't mean to mock those people because they're they're. Uh, their arguments are just as valid, you know? Yeah, like, so totally. later on, I'm specifically talking about this because later on I have one, a couple for Drive, and that's what was got me thinking on this. Like, the reason why I want to put that in is because, like, I like the movie, but, like, there were people who felt like they were marketed a different movie. And that's not cool that Hollywood can be like, we're going to lie to a bunch of people so they think they're seeing, like, a muscle car movie. And then yeah. it's not that. It's a much more cerebral, slow, violent film. Yeah. Sell them that film, you fucking dumb fucking executives, yeah. you know? Yeah. We'll definitely dig into that about Drive. Yeah. For sure. You know, it's like, that's... don't, you know, and so, so like, yeah, I just think that this film, you know, comes from a much simpler time, but... I do think that the criticism, when people make criticism and they're like, well, I thought this film was boring because people just talked constantly. That's a real criticism, you know? Yeah. That's, people cannot like a film for that. And, and, yeah. and it's not like, you know, the end of the fucking world. Yeah, this no. film is really good, but that is a problem with it that yeah, makes it hard to get through. there's a lot of dialogue, yeah. you know? Yeah. It becomes exhausting. You know? Exactly. It, it becomes really exhausting. So what would, uh, what would you rate this film? Um, I give this film probably like a strong four. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think 
like having I watched it twice this week to yeah. like, keep myself aware of it. And like it's slow at parts, but it doesn't feel long. It tells a great story in a unique way. You feel for these characters. Yeah. And I think it has a lot of rewatch value yeah. too. You know. I'm gonna go uh three point five. Word. Yeah. I'm just I took off some points because I think that it's as an Altman film, it's it it doesn't do enough, you know, that like he did that was special. And it's great, but like I, I just feel like with him it could have it you could see he has much better films, you know oh, what yeah. I mean. So, th- but this, but it's still a- above average. It's still yeah. he's still doing something that's like really, really great. And and like I think that it's maybe like it's lacking a few strong performances from other characters other than the main two. Yeah, that that, that kind of brings. Yeah, it it's down not a very strong strong yeah. ensemble. No. for the whole thing. That's <laughs> being and like pretty delicate it's, about it. It also kind of lacks a real villain. Yeah. You know. I just think I I look past the villain part. Yeah. Because there is like an there's like an intricate love story that has like a predictable but like so beautifully played out resolve right. to it, you know, like the That's la- true. the last like 20 minutes of the the movie are awesome. Right. It's like so good to watch. Yeah. That. Like no, you definitely. the the slipping connection, the demise of Bowie and then uh her progress yeah exactly yeah you know like that the end the end being you know her uh, like leaving town right pregnant with his kid and And she's leaving town and she's like moving on to the next exactly thing exactly she's She's moving on basically exactly yeah and and it's a really 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 fucking accessible ending that just feels definitely it's also it's also like part of i think one of the things that altman loved to do which was really ahead of his time which was really showcase uh female characters yep in more dynamic ways than other directors normally did like it's another reason why i really like this film is that shelly duvall is is actually allowed to be a human being right and it's so interesting to see that in the time period that the film takes place especially you know that's a interesting complicated film uh sorry interesting complicated idea and he really uh tackles it beautifully and in 1974 of all times of course right, you know yeah. he's just really ahead of his time in that stuff and like he did it again with nashville he did it with three women like i don't know he just saw that there were there was a lot more that could be said for a female character mm-hmm. and interestingly enough uh, it's why i think he's one of the big influences on the cohen brothers because they also really love their strong female leads. In fact, yeah, they do. one of them married his strong female lead, Frances McDormand. Yeah, true. After they met in our next movie, Blood Simple, which oh, yeah. after a quick break, we will be talking about. So stay hold tuned. Hold on to your hats. Yeah, yeah, hold on to your hats and get prepared for Blood Simple. Just doing my job. You called me, I knew they were there. Why'd you take them? Well, I don't know. Call the fringe benefit. How long you watch her? 
most of the night. They'd rest every few minutes and they'd get started again. Quite so. You know, in Greece, they would cut off the head of the messenger that brought the bad news. Now, that don't make much sense. No. Made them feel better. Blood Simple is a 1984 American neo-noir crime film written, edited, and produced and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. It was the directorial debut of the Coens and the first major film of cinematographer Barry Sonnenfeld, who later became a noted director as well. And it is also the feature film debut of one of my favorite actresses, uh, Frances McDormand, who's also go on to marry Joel Cohen. She is and, awesome. Yeah, and she is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the film's title derives from the Dashiell Hammett novel Red Harvest, in which the term blood simple describes the addled, fearful mindset of people after prolonged immersion in violent situations. And I also feel like, as they are wont to do in some of their other films, including the film Barton Fink, which we covered, uh, it's another thing that they use in the actual plot itself. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh's character, Visser, continually refers in one particular scene to going simple or things being something simple and simple meaning dumb or crazy or basically saying like, Oh, you, you know, so you've gone, you know, woman crazy, you know, woman simple or something like that. Yeah. So they definitely use, you know, draw attention to that, idea a lot in the actual plot and in little tiny ways and i really like that um and yeah so it stars john getz as ray francis mcdormand as we said dan hadaya uh who you may know as nick tortelli from cheers (laughs) and uh one of my another one of my favorite actors um sam art williams as maurice who is a great little side character in this and really like pulls everything together with his tiny strong performance yeah he does and personally my favorite coen brothers character of all time lauren visser played by m emmett walsh who's one of my favorite actors as well a brilliant texas character actor who has done everything from the coen brothers as we see here to king of the hill he's the man um, oh, I believe he's yeah. also he 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 yeah. Oh yeah, he's, te- he's from Texas. Everybody yeah, with a Texas true. accent had Fair. to make their way onto that show yeah, eventually. I guess that makes sense. Reba was on that show. Hail Reba! Hell fucking yeah, dude. <laughs> Reba rules. <laughs> got a redhead. We redheads gonna stick together. <laughs> Unless it's Ron Howard. Oh fucking, come on, fucking Ron Howard. <laughs> you know, what, you know what, Ron Howard, you've been banished for making How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh come on. <laughs> Right, Poor Ron. Why do you think fair. he's bald? 
Uh, the gingers did it. We did it to him. No. <laughs> um, but yes, M. Emmett Walsh is a thing to behold in this movie. Yeah, he is. And, it's uh, a fucking fantastic performance. Yeah. We'll t- we'll get to that I'm in a little bit. That for though. sure. We got a couple cool taglines. Mm-hmm. Uh, breaking up is hard. It is. Yeah, it yeah is. I feel that, man. I feel that. Definitely. You can put that on a movie poster. Definitely. That makes sense. <laughs> Dead in the heart of Texas. Ugh, I fucking love that, that one. That one's pretty intense. It's so good. I'm pretty it, into that it one. It fits their comedic morbid style that they've yeah. become known for, you know? Yeah, in the heart of Texas. Exactly. Yeah, like Deep in the, the heart of Texas. Yeah, yeah, Dead yeah, yeah. In exactly. The, yeah. That's great. And but also it's like kitschy. They're they're also kind of like they're like self um what's the word I'm looking for? They they like make fun of themselves as in as as intelligent as their films are, they have oh, this like yeah. great stupidity that they love. I mean, Raising Arizona is probably the height of it, but like they love having just profound stupidity because it's so right. fucking funny. Right, a hundred percent. Yeah, and that nails it definitely. And then, oh, this one's great. Uh, <laughs> the first film by Joel and Ethan Cohen. It's uh, from the reissue yeah. of that movie in 2016. But I feel that like, is a fact. Yeah. I feel like this one probably got a from the director of Fargo type treatment at one point or another. At yeah. least on the back, yeah. Um, so the budget for this movie was uh, one and a half milli. Mm-hmm. One and a half million dollars. Relatively uh, normal. Yeah. Uh, and then its box office gross was uh, $3.8 million. So we'll chalk it up as a win. Yes, it was successful and it, you know, it was the film that launched their career. Because, yeah, like, exactly. For a, for a debut, too. Right. Like, it's very well put together. Yeah. It's very ahead of its time for their directing, for where they should be. You know, and yeah. same thing with, with, with Sonnenfeld as a cinematographer. It's also, you know, first-time cinematographer, and he fucking nails it. You know, there's definite issues that I have with certain things in the film in the film that would they would immediately shore up in their next three films and, and come up with three complete masterpieces to follow up this masterpiece. Yeah. But uh, in particular, um, the thing I love about this film is that it's just like... I don't know. It's so unabashedly their style. It's like the the blueprint for everything they would do later. Yeah, you know? it really is. It kind of covers everything that they they would do. Definitely. You know. And then, like you said, the next three. What is it? Raising Arizona. Um, uh, Miller's Crossing. Yeah, the two we we covered. Yeah, Miller's yeah, Crossing and, and, and Barton, Barton Fink. Fink. Yeah. Like, yeah, and then pretty soon after that, you have. Fargo, Big Lebowski, you know. Yeah, so it's just it's, it's locked yeah, in at yeah. that point. And I mean, they they continue to make really great films, and you know, even up to what was that the the Buster Scruggs, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, yeah. yeah. They continue to just do stuff that's really interesting, and and I I can't wait for their next movie. Yeah, honestly, me too. Because I've seen all of them so far. So yeah, I think this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this was the last. One awesome. that awesome. I needed to like complete Sick. my Coen Brothers. Yeah, yeah there are one ones like when people will be like, "Oh, who's your favorite director?" I always like forget to mention them, and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, the fucking Coens. I love yeah, them. Yeah, they're like, so fucking. Yeah, good. they're really good. And I mean, I know that they have some films that aren't so great. Like I'm not a big fan of. I mean, the Lady Killers is pretty good, but it's not. It's really like it, that one would be like sort of a lower on the scale. But even that, yeah. it's not bad though. No, you know, no, it's like not. I'm. 
Oh Brother Where Art Thou is fantastic, you know, all I throughout their career. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, Burn After Reading, A Serious Burn After Man. Reading is so yeah. good. Just rewatched that a couple weeks ago. Exactly. It's very, very good movie. So critics agree with us. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so this film is rated 94% from critics and 88% audience score. And the critical consensus reads, brutally violent and shockingly funny in equal measure, Blood Simple offers early evidence of the Coen brothers' twisted sensibilities and filmmaking ingenuity. Mike D'Angelo of the AV Club says, it's a trailblazing masterpiece in any form. Pete Bradshaw the Guardian adds, a gripping, drum-tight noir masterpiece to compare with Touch of Evil. User Mamey A calls it, I found most of it boring, but the ending pretty much redeemed the entire film. And user deleted user raves, huh? What the heck? These review, I'm watching the same movie? This is horrible. <laughs> so currently watching the movie. I guess, huh? What the heck? I'm I watching the same movie. <laughs> it sounds like they're like, they're in distress. Like it sounds like they've been captured, and they're yeah, like, "Help!" They're in a I'm watching. Yeah. Panic. It's that was interesting. Somebody review. help me! I'm mm. watching Blood Simple <laughs> right now. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> so the movie came out on September seventh, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the David Bowie song, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> or the or uh, that book. Yeah, about, or the book nineteen eighty four. Yeah, you've definitely read that book. Um. The movies that came out on the same day as it are uh, The Brother from Another Planet. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And The Warrior uh, and The Sorceress. Yeah, that's one. The Warrior and The Sorceress. Oh, The Warrior and The Sorceress. Oh, whoa. Never heard of that movie. Me neither. Weird. (laughs) Uh, Other movies that came out around it are um, Amadeus. Um, a podcast favorite because it's one of Kevin's favorite movies. I know that. (laughs) Should. Should. Uh, It's on my Amazon watch list yeah. right now because I've been meaning to do it <laughs> and it like keeps recommending yeah. it to me no matter <laughs> what I watch. Like I've I've found that it's just throwing it in there. I right. think you might have hacked into my Amazon account yeah. and it's just like, Maybe oh, you watch like some cartoon <laughs> you might like should. Yeah. <laughs> So oh, I'm gonna watch. Oh, Homer, you can't base your your idea on New York City of all the pimps and chuds. <laughs> yeah, chuds, chud is fantastic. It's also a favorite of uh, of uh, uh, Jordan Peele. Oh, cool! Yeah. I like Jordan yeah, Peele. Yeah, he so. puts he put it in um, Us at the very beginning of Us. It's one of the VHSs. I've said oh, this before. Yeah. I know on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, yeah we talked about yep. that before. Um, uh, Ninja Three: The Domination. Right, fuck yeah! Came out. Yeah. Uh, what is this? The Irreconcilable Difference. Yes. Which I don't, sa- I don't know. I think that's, I know the title. It's like a title I've heard. I feel like Mad Magazine made a joke about it or something, so I okay, remember it. Okay, that makes but, sense. Like, I think it's like Kramer versus Kramer style movie. It's like oh, divorce. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, But yeah. maybe with killing. Oh, I cool. Feel like, I'm in. Yeah, like, wouldn't you name a movie like this? Like, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, Like, what was that one with, um, oh, what was that one? Oh, my God. With fucking, uh, uh, oh. Fatal Attraction. Oh, shit. You know okay. what I mean? Like, yeah, Fatal yeah, yeah, Attraction. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, where it's yep. like. Oh, this movie could be just a movie about whatever, but no, it's about murder. Like, yeah. Oh, our differences are irreconcilable. Irreclin- <laughs> <laughs> our differences are irreconcilable. 
fucking we're gonna yeah, kill you. Yeah, exactly. dead. Uh, but aside from those movies, the music is what we're talking about Hell yeah. right now. In in the United States, uh, the top song was "Let's Go Crazy" by Prince and the Revolution. Hell fucking yeah! Yes. Another another podcast favorite. And in the UK, even though the movie came out in the summer. Ghostbusters, uh, number nine. I don't know if that's like the ninth version of Ghostbusters or something, but by Ray Parker Jr. was top of the charts. Hell yeah. Hell that yeah. song is awesome. It's really funny to think that uh, what's-his-face there, uh, Huey Lewis was getting paid for that. Dude. <laughs> Get Huey them royalties, Lewis. He Huey. He actually just dropped an album. Huey Lewis. With the news? I think so. The news is still kicking? I think the news is still getting delivered. It was like, sorry guys, I'm going solo after yeah, all these years. Dude, seriously. It might Huey, honestly, Huey Lewis without the news. Yeah, Huey Lewis with no news included. No news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, in video games, 1984, as the 80s always do, delivered. Uh, it's the year Tetris came out. So that's pretty big. But also, uh, Karate Champ, Boulder Dash, in 1942. I believe we talked about the 1984 recently in an episode. Because I was like, I could have sworn I mentioned yeah, all Yeah, I think we talked before. about Tetris before. But yeah, one of the yeah. things I didn't mention was how crazy all this, like, all these, like, game companies were going nuts at this point. Yeah, it's the birth, baby. Yeah, and, like, like companies in general. Like, Hasbro bought Milton Bradley. Sega and CSK became Sega Enterprises. Uh, Mattel sold off all of their video games um, assets, including, like, Intellivision and M-Network. And, like, basically, like, Atari got sold, and then, like, everybody was just right. going nuts. And, like, video games were starting to become this big thing, but, a bu but like, a bunch of companies failed. And this is, like, right before the, like, first of the game droughts, where, like, the fucking, the, the bubble burst on everything. And and people weren't, weren't going to spend $700 in 1984 on a fucking games console. But that's what yeah, they were selling them yeah. for, you know? It was out of control. Games that literally are unplayable, <laughs> mind you, <laughs> on these fucking systems. So it was just a very interesting time in games and also in toys, Dylan. Yeah, so I just looked this up and pulled up some. Pi I'm trying to find some pictures oh, of yeah. this for the a uh, the top toys the that we have in 1984. Van? <laughs> yeah, the A Team van. The thing that caught me on this one was that it is it was retailed at seventy dollars. Yeah, like was this thing like in 1984? So I'm like, was this like an actual van? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like, like a full size van. Well, I think it might have been like a toy car that. You've sat in. Oh, like, like a, a Power Wheels? Like, you know, those ones that are in like people's backyards? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, Power I, Wheels. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's either that or it is a like full set with like the whole A team. Right. Uh, weapons, whatever, the van, like, right. Projectiles. And it's probably those like G.I. Joe. And I mean, like, I mentioned the six inch G.I. Joe. I'm talking about original G.I. Joe. It might be those like big ass ones with like full, they're like Barbies. They look, essentially. I mean, if it's the ones that I'm looking at right now, they look no bigger than like your standard like wrestling figure. Really? Like a six inch. They're not like the know? big G.I. Joes where they have like clo cloth clothing and shit. Unless the van is also Man. like huge. 
I don't know. D- 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 the but, investigation yeah, yeah. continues. <laughs> Sorry, I was just really curious about this. No, I am too. Totally you got thing. me peaked. Um, Listeners, so also, if you can find out the A-Team van secret. Yeah, please post yeah. your A-Team toys <laughs> to the group. Um, also, Barbie Dream Store Fashion Department. They're always trying to get Barbie to work. That really, yeah. Right. like. Uh, every bar, yeah, and that Ken too. They did the yeah, whole right? thing with getting like there were all these variations of Ken. We talked about this a couple episodes ago, right? At the time when he was gay, yeah, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but also like like firefighters, yeah, Ken, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Army, Ken, Navy, Ken, Ken. Army, yeah. Navy, Ken, yeah, it's like always putting them right in the force, right. you know, it's like. Exactly. They got to think. Uh, those were made just by Just wanted myself. Ken's to die in foreign wars. Yeah, because they, they wanted Barbie to be a sad <laughs> yeah. widow. Vietnam veteran <laughs> Ken. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> Barbie, oh, don't, not, I'm not gonna Barbie, don't spit on him. No. <laughs> I'll make uh, awful That was joke. a Mattel toy. It was $20. <laughs> um, Barbie Star Traveler. So was this is, the yeah. motor home? And this is like, why it's important. This brings me back to our investigation of the <laughs> A-Team van. <laughs> because assholes. Mattel was only charging us $40, mm-hmm. right? And A-Team van was $70 for the same thing. This is a motor home with a driver's cabin. Like, it's the same fucking thing as the A-Team van. Yeah. But maybe it didn't come with Barbies. Maybe it was just Yeah, it might have been just the van. It was probably van. just the van. I yeah. don't know. Sons of bitches. And then, yeah, it's like you said, that's 40 bills. Yep. And then the ColecoVision uh, video game system. All right, now this is what I was just talking yeah. about. ColecoVision. Coleco, my bad. Dylan, drum roll, what is the price? $130. Yeah, in 1984. Fucking A. And if you've Imagine ever, that. Yeah, if you want to have fun, just look up a ColecoVision game right now and tell me whether or not you would pay the equivalent of like what now is probably yeah, like it's two, three hundred dollars. Dude, I, maybe more than eighty four. I, I guess at the time that like was a PS4 though. Like someone would come in and be like, "Hey, what are you, what are you watching the game? Oh, what yeah, you're playing? Oh. You're playing base? Is that tennis? Is no, that it's pong. basketball. <laughs> right? Is that basketball? Right? But no, lo and behold, it was not. Right. So yeah, so blood simple, blood simple. All right, yeah. So this is the second pick that we're yeah. talking about here for Neo Noir. So this is my pick. Yes. Um, it is the story of two. Well, I guess I guess it's kind of weird. I was originally gonna call them two lovers, but at the beginning they're really just two acquaintances who then kind of decide to have an affair randomly. At least that's what I got. I can never tell if the first scene is supposed to be they've already had sex. I think they would have already had sex because they he already has the PI out on him. True. You You're know? right. Yeah. You're right. So, but like she definitely, he definitely set, I mean, they, they set it up, the Coens, I mean. It looks like as an in, a, in a very like ambiguous way. Everything is set up in a very ambiguous way in the film. And you kind of have to piece the stuff together as it's it's given to you. But yes, it's, it, it I love the opening of the film, yeah. That again, you get back that, of the head yep. shots in the car. Yep. I love that. You get that again. That diegetic music and in the car, the headlights coming at them, and the, the great cut where after the credits roll, and then she's like, "Stop the car!" And he turns around, and the light hits him in the face. Like really well done. And again, from debut directors and cinematographers. Um, but so it, yeah. Eventually, they stop at a hotel, and they're they're having an affair. And her husband, as you said, has sent a private eye after them. You know what I just thought about was that's that? definitely the car. 
The, what do you mean? The car at the beginning, the headlights. Yeah. Like they're like, oh, do you know that guy? Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. I didn't even put that together. Yeah, that, so that's the, the, Volks, right the Volkswagen second, bug. Yeah. yeah. This is my first time watching this movie. I know that's true. <laughs> I, I even forgot. <laughs> All right, yeah, so yeah, exactly. Yes, he is the one following. Them. I had yep. to piece that together yep. live. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, they are being followed by M. Emmett Walsh, a private eye who has been hired by Nick Tortelli, uh, who is yeah <laughs> from Cheers. Yeah, um, Dan Hedaya, and he is uh, Francis McDormand's husband. Yeah, and he is also a pretty intense uh, and criminally, it seems, affiliated bar bar owner. Whom our main character and affair member Ray works for. He's a bartender at his bar. And so he's sleeping with the boss's wife. Brilliant. Yes. Um, and M. Emmett Walsh is at first tasked with finding out what's going on and confirming the affair, and then is tasked with killing them. And. Here's the reason why he's my favorite character of all time, uh, for the Coen brothers, I mean, is that he takes that information, and in classic Coen brothers style, he pulls a con on the con man and cons him out of his life and yeah. his money. <laughs> in a brilliant move where he fakes their death with a, with a doctored photo he took of them sleeping where he put fake blood and bullet holes in it yeah and which for, as a side note is a horrible photo like they look you yeah. like look at it i mean like, but again it's 1984 i know so. but i just like <laughs> i remember when they first pulled it up on screen and it's literally a picture of them like s sleeping snug and mm -hmm, sound mm -hmm. with just blood and bullet holes yeah it's like if you shot one of them the other one wouldn't have just continued right. to sleep sound yeah true you know yeah, I mean that, that cracked me up. I guess he used two guns. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. I gave him the Texas dual, style. Dual <laughs> <laughs> um, but but regardless of that, I do think it falls under the purview of like it was 1984. Literally, if you showed someone a yeah, per uh, person totally, totally. a photo in 1984, they'd be like, "This is impossible <laughs> yep, this to have is, been yeah. doctored. <laughs> this is literally in front of me right yeah, now." Right, <laughs> exactly. Know? Yep, that's a picture. So, but I still <laughs> the the basic like I I dig the hustle. You know, me he's too, like, man. He's the boss. He's like, I could kill one person and get paid the same. Or even though it seemed kind of dumb that he didn't shoot him when he opened the safe. Yeah, you know there are a little. There's things here and there that are very. Yeah, there's a little like like not. Uh, I don't want to yeah. say like intricacies. Well, they're like uncoen like holes in yeah, the plot. But it's also their first film. True, true. So. <laughs> um, but also, I think that that it captures a humanism of characters. You know, and yeah, Emmett Walsh's character really is evil personified. And so, like, he doesn't want to shoot him in the back. Now he wants him to see him shoot him. And there's something really important about that, you know, that he like, he like wants to, to do the violent things he's doing, you know, like he could have just done that and took off, you know, like just, okay, yeah, sure. His lighter got left behind, but really, man, you, you just take off, leave the area like there. It's not going to get connected to you. Yeah. Her gun is at the scene. You fucking idiot. Yeah, you know right, what I mean? Exactly, like, exactly. I guess, I guess, you know, I guess that, you know, 
little bit of straw man you could say okay obviously like that i don't because again i couldn't tell if it if, if i can never tell if the lighter if it has anything significant on it that gives him away i don't know i mean they do pan the camera onto it yeah so they like, definitely you want think, you to see yeah, it. yeah like, i don't know but i don't think there's anything like his name or no anything on it you know? but i mean it is interesting too that's like his like fatal tragic flaw is represented yep. by that lighter and right. i love love the scene where he's in his dark room and he's looking for his lighter to light a cigarette and he's like oh fuck and the that dawning realization they they do the same thing also with ray later on when he's talking to uh to francis and he's like un, he's he's like coming to this realization that that she's in his mind, she's trying to hide what she actually didn't do, but what right, he thinks she yep. did from him and yeah. stuff. They're really interesting, like development of characters and stuff. That again, if you've seen a Coen Brothers movie, you've seen it before. But it's so interesting to see how far they were already into that at this early on in their in their yeah. career. You know, yeah. Um, and so basically, yeah, as we kind of already have, have blown on it. So M. Emmett Walsh comes back with his doctored photo, and he's like, yeah. I killed him for you. Here's the picture. <laughs> and and the other guy's like, okay, that's cool. They're dead. Here, I'm going to give you my money. And he opens his safe and sits back down. And Emmett Walsh is like, ha ha, and fucking shoots him and takes his money. And like we said, leaves his lighter behind. This then turns into a game of cat and mouse where th- all three of our, our players who are left now are are not able to trust one another nor do they believe one another and each one of them has a different version of what is going on they in d- in each one of them does not know what reality actually is right and that is just super interesting it's a great game of cat and mouse 100% and it ends um it ends spectacularly uh so basically uh, Ray comes in, finds the body, thinks Francis killed him, buries the body. But as he's going to bury the body, he realizes he's not fucking dead. So that the guy, he tries to get away. It's just so like, and it, it yeah, that whole you like, know, crawling in the road mm-hmm. scene is crazy. Oh, actually, that was a scene kind of on which they sold the movie. They made a trailer and shopped it around in Hollywood and uh, to like producers and shit. And that and the bullet holes in the wall when he's shooting through the wall at the end were stuff that they put in the trailer and then redid for the movie. Nice. And so, they, yeah, the, but they didn't have, like, a full story. They were just like, here's this trailer. This is what we can do. Give us the money and we'll do something right. awesome. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know? um, yeah, the end of the film where it it's like, you know, so so uh, M.M. at Walsh kills Ray with a, with a rifle from, like, across the street, shoots her when he's in Francis' apartment. And then Francis thinks it's her husband because Ray never, because of the great disconnect in the way the dialogue, yeah, the written, way he said it, it's yep. like never clearly established right. that and he was literally like buried in a hole, right? And he doesn't ever say like I I know you killed him, but the way he's talking works for both realities of him thinking that she that she killed him and saying you killed him but also for her reality of he killed him right and got rid of the body it's brilliantly written and she's responding the same way everything that she's responding you could interpret as she's pretending that she didn't kill him it's f- so good and then 
when you add Emmett Walsh to that, he she doesn't know that he's not her husband because right. he's already killed. You know what I mean? Before, yeah, she doesn't, she's right. not aware but, that he's like, not even a character anymore. Right, and before Ray can even run into him, yeah, that's the other thing. They haven't even crossed paths. He's watching them all. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, like yeah, it's fucking like one one of my favorite moments in the movie. Uh, I was talking to you about this off the air. Is when uh, M. Emmett Walsh is is trying to break into the safe and. And it really, I think, symbolizes his character really perfectly. It happens a couple times in the movie. Um, so Francis McDormand opens the door and, and, and makes a noise. And he, like, like as I said to you before, like, demonically just, like, immediately stands up and moves out of the frame. Like, like he's uh, robotically is the way you put it. Yeah. Like, and it's it, it turns him almost into, like, this Terminator-like figure. Like, when he's... Um, fixated on it on an idea or on a kill he goes after yeah it as soon as there's a, like a direct objective yeah. it's just yeah. like blindly going towards it and and yet when you see him for the rest of the movie he's got that like laid back drawl and everything's yeah, so slow get, about him you don't like yep. perceive him to be the villain Mm-mm. the first like couple times you're no. introduced to his character no. you know even, it, take, it takes maybe four times of his character being on screen right. for you to even have the idea right. that he might be the the bad guy even the way that that dan hedaya like talks to him like he was like oh go find you under the rock you know he treats yeah, he him like talks a piece like the of big shit. mobster yep. fucking asshole right. guy but in reality he's might be the weakest character oh, in totally. the whole movie totally you know yeah because he's presented as being frightening but like ray literally walks straight into the bar after he knows that he knows that he fucked his wife and walks straight up to him and is like, "What am I He's fired?" Like, What's up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you owe me it's money. It's like he just like literally says, "You owe me sixteen hundred dollars." Hey, buddy, here's my giant Texas balls in your face. He's like, <laughs> literally, it's like glass shatters. He's fucking stone cold in this movie, and so I think that that's really important because it it creates this totally different dynamic. And by the end of the film, as as it's just those two characters left. He doesn't really know much about Frances McDormand's character, but he know he has a goal. He's chasing her, but she, as I said, thinks that it's her husband who's actually already dead. Yeah, and so when she finally shoots yeah, him true. through she a door, has no, yeah, mm-hmm. she literally has no idea the whole movie. Yeah, she shoots him through like a door, that. and then he, she's like, "I'm not scared of you, Marty," and he just starts laughing, yeah. and he's like, "I'll be sure to tell him if I see him." Yeah, because I'm not fucking Marty, right. <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, that's so yeah. funny. And again, reminiscent of like Fargo in the scene where you know Steve Buscemi and the. Uh, uh, the father-in-law meet and these mistaking, mistaken identities. I don't know who you are. Type scenes are something they really love to to utilize. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this film. I, I, if you can't tell, I love this film. Yeah, it's, no it's, shit, huh? it might be my favorite <laughs> of theirs. I think it might be their best because uh, it's their first and it's so good. You yeah. know, how many other debuts are this good? You know, yeah. Maybe only like a couple people like Kubrick's and, and stuff like that who actually were like, oh, I can see where you're going. Yeah. Just from where you are in this movie. Among, among other movies of theirs that I've watched like mm-hmm. for the first time relatively recently or within the past like couple years with this and Miller's Crossing, they're such fucking perfect movies for so early on in their career. 
And it just shows that, Definitely. like, even though they grew as writers and producers and directors and <clears throat> creatives, mm-hmm. um, they they had a clear cut uh, path in their movies. Totally. You know, they have they have a very uh, strong continuity with a lot of their messages and their themes. And for it to be established so strongly in their first film is so cool to watch. Definitely. Yeah, I can't think of many other like directorial <clears throat> debuts that are so true to the rest right. of their catalog as this one. And and I think it's also, uh, as I, I've said a couple times now, it it kind of, you know, Fargo especially feels really related to this. No Country for Old Men as well. You know, both Sugar and and uh, I forget his name, but the the quiet Russian guy yeah, from Fargo yeah. are very similar in 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 ways to M. Emmett Walsh's character. At least how they're like the the monstrous yeah villain, like john goodman you know? and barton fink like, exactly we talked about that yeah they, they bit, feel like... unstoppable and yeah they're intimidating just, yeah you know? they're they're like they're softly scary right you know? right and like i also love how <clears throat> this has set up so much of what they would do later with their actors as well obviously francis mcdormand is is really great in in general as an actress but in this film, she is given more to do than most actresses of the time were. And I th- I feel like, I don't know, again, like we were saying with Thieves Like Us, this one is also really ahead of its time with how it treats its female character. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is treated by men the way a female would have been treated at the time, but she doesn't react to it the same way. You know what no, I mean? She yeah, yeah. She, like... Or I guess you should say she doesn't react to it how how most characters, female characters, do in movies of the time. Like she fights against it in a way that's believable. And in the end, she's the one who stands tall, not because of luck or anything, but because she actually beats the bad guy. You know, right? Exactly. It's not like some bullshit like over the top climb. Right. Ray's the one who falls apart. You know, yeah. the guy who was originally yeah. the, that's a big cool hero. part of the movie too. Yep. watching his crumble. Basically, it starts when he pulls it out of mm-hmm. the field after burying. Mm-hmm. And again, Nick Tortelli, he like, just like Steve Buscemi's character in Fargo and just like fucking uh, the main character in No Country for Old Men. Yeah. You know, Josh Brolin's character. They you're like, oh, whoa, they're dead. OK, right. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. exactly. You know, and maybe and you're like, oh. Oh, actually, Tommy Lee Jones was the main character. <laughs> you know. Oh, actually, in the case of Fargo, actually, Peter Stromar is the is the you know the real bad guy, and Francis McDormand is the hero. Not you know. Yeah. The you know. Uh, oh my God! Why can't I remember his name today? I am so bad at that. Um, Harry. Not oh my God. What's his fucking name? The dude from Shameless and Fargo and. Oh fucking. Um, I hate myself right now. Me too. We drank too many beers to remember yeah. his name. But anyway, um, I'll put it in right here with the computer and say something. Yeah, it's mean. like Frank. <laughs> Frank is that his name in Shameless? I know. Yeah, his <laughs> name is Frank. Saying, Shameless. Like, well, I'm such an asshole. I'm an asshole. I'm such an asshole, dude. Um, William H Macy. Sorry, oh, William. Sorry. Billy Macy. Yeah, <laughs> Billy M.H. Macy. Or Liam Macy. But yeah, who, never, so, who knows? I just learned that Liam is short for William. Weird. I did not know that yeah. either. No, you know, uh, Liam Gallagher. Yeah, William Gallagher. Yeah. Weird. Interesting. How I didn't ever think of that. How fucking stupid is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you, Clevo, for so that So I'm going to give this movie a 
five stars. Yeah, you can count that twice. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. fucking awesome. It's it's not it's not their best movie, but it's fucking it doesn't it doesn't like where does this movie get off being so good as a debut? Yeah, it's, seriously. It might be And the, the score is up there. like the score we talked about earlier, it's just chilling and yeah. it sets a mood for the movie. Yep. There's like a, a repeating uh piano score yeah like this piano it. it's and it like it's, it's basically like, like the drama music mm. but every single time there's drama you know it almost it's makes a little, it feel uh, like campy it's a little carpet you know? it's a little carpenter-esque it's a little halloweeny yeah that that piano theme kind of has this thing that a little bit reminds me of like the tonality of of john carpenter type songs that he used in halloween especially and it fits because the end of the movie almost becomes like a slasher film you know, right. and and it really I love that sort of like cat and mouse game where the Coens are really good at setting like stakes. Like I feel like in a lot of movies you 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 feel stuff for characters, but in Coen Brothers movies you feel like the characters are actually meaty like you are. Right. Yeah. Re- because of how much like blood and how many injuries happen in their films, like I feel like I get why Francis ma- like I was like Francis get the fuck out of that room while he's shooting yeah, through the wall because right. you feel like the bullet is going to hit you yeah that's seriously. something that like only a few directors can do and yeah. so i feel like that that is really this film has that more than maybe any of their other films in and, and it that makes it feel almost borderline slasher especially in like the scenes where they're being chased by mm at walsh it's just like Oh my God! What what is attacking me? Yeah, or like her having that hallucination dream when she yep. wakes up yep. and like thinks that Nick Tortelli's dude is is yeah, there. Exactly. Like and that's it is very slasher yep. feeling. You know, that was that was like a scary scene. Right, and even when, when she like traps M.M. at Walsh's hand and then stabs it with a knife, like that is so something that would happen to like Jason or Michael Myers. Yeah, and they'd exactly. Be like, oh. Yeah, they're stuck. Yeah, they can't <laughs> right. get out because yeah. they can't get but, the knife. But out. it doesn't yeah, actually yeah. stop him, and he literally punches a hole through the wall. Punching the hole through the wall and pulling right. the knife out of his own hand yep. was one of the most fucked Again, up things I've seen there, in a while. There's a reason why I called him demonic. Yeah, it's yeah. that's a monster. I, and again, shit, like Sugar sure. is a great parallel. From No Country with Old Men, uh, it, just a character that you feel like is immortal. Yeah. But everybody else is that fleshy mortality feeling that you all the characters you want to be okay get that fleshy mortality. You know, because it's like they literally set you up with it. You know, Ray's standing there and you know M.M. Walsh has a rifle and you know, and he's training and you're like, he's going to get shot. He's going to get shot. Yeah, like, right. even watching it today, I've seen this film like 10 times at least in my life. I was still like, Where's the guitar? Oh, there it is. You know, like it even goes into slow motion for a second when it happens. Yeah. But like you're you're so tense. You're like, oh, here it comes, here it comes, he's gonna get shot, he's gonna get shot, you know. So yeah. yeah the anticipation building into it, you're like, fuck, fuck, so fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's a five across the board from us. Hell yeah. Um yeah, I'm pumped we watch that movie. That's a great Definitely. one. Alright, well, so we're gonna take uh, another break and we will come back with drive. I already gave you my advice. You should have taken the money and left the guy alone. It's not that simple, Bernie. No, of course not. Now that it's bounced up in your face. You know, I owe you this guy. Just give me a little time and I'll get rid of him. Shut the fuck up. 
you fucking monkey. The money belonged to some half-assed wise guy out of Philly. Now, I got tipped off. He was stashing a million bucks in a pawn shop. He was gonna invest it here in LA. He was gonna set up a rival operation. So you stole from the East Coast mob. Now, I stole from some jumped up punk. Was trying to step on our act. Yeah, then why didn't you come to me before you set up this dummy robbery? Before you hire this piece of shit. This is something off to the side, Bernie. I didn't want to involve you in this. Well, I'm involved now. I'm gonna tell you something. Anybody finds out you stole from the family, we're both dead. What fucking family? The family who still calls me a fucking kike? To my face? Yeah, I'm 59 years old, Bernie. They still pinch my cheek like I'm some fucking kid. Bam. The money always flows up, Izzy. You know that. That's why this driver's gotta go, Bernie. Gotta go. I wish that I could turn back time. Cause now the gift is all mine. Can't live without the trust from those you Drive is a 2011 American action drama film directed by the Danish filmmaker Nicholas Weindingwafen. Um, the screenplay, written by Hosseini Amini, is based on James Salas' 2005 novel, Drive. And it stars Ryan, Mr. Sexy Boy himself, Gosling, as the driver, the nameless driver. Sort of in the... Oh my god, so like, I didn't even yeah. think about that. They even literally call him Driver instead of a name in the movie. He's like Clint Eastwood or something. Um, it also stars Carrie Mulligan, Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad, Albert Brooks, Oscar Isaac, Christina Hendricks, and my favorite in this movie, big old Ron Perlman himself, <laughs> just smiling his ass off and being a scary-ass Jewish mobster. Yeah, oh, he's fantastic in yeah, this. He literally awesome. comes into this movie and is just like, he, I think he's the other thing that they, that is in this movie to kind of be like, don't, wait, guys, there's more coming. Don't worry. There's going to be some violent shit later. Because when he comes in, he comes in with a bravado that the movie hasn't oh, yeah. had yet. You're like, wow, this yeah. is a big guy. Yeah, and he's like, all That's swearing and saying racial slurs, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> it was missing. Uh, I don't want to say it was missing it necessarily, but like the story needed that big like over masculine definitely, definitely. guy and then he comes on to the set and you're like oh fuck right, right there he is yeah because like i mean you literally have finding nemo's dad albert brooks in it so but he's also takes a great turn into becoming the real villain as the film goes on yeah, um he it takes an insane yeah. twist in that movie um so the budget for this movie was 15 million dollars which it seems pretty yeah. low for a movie coming out in 2011. Mm-hmm. I feel like for what it was, right? And like with the, I don't necessarily want to say star power because like the real star power in it is Ryan Gosling, and that yeah, like, you know, like yeah, because a lot of these there people... are some of those you know, uh, Carrie Mulligan was in something uh, that I was looking at the other day. Right. It's another big movie, but these people aren't like. 
This is before all of it. Yeah, you know, oh, yep. and like some of these like older, you know, some of the other older actors, and you know, Oscar Isaac's yeah. in it. Yeah, Ron, like Oscar oh, Ron Perlman and like, and Albert Brooks are like the elder statesmen, but like Oscar Isaac, really, this is like the beginning of him hitting. Yeah, it's like way before know? like Ex Machina mm-hmm. and, and obviously Star like Wars. In, inside yeah. Lewin Davis, another yep. Coen Brothers. Exactly. Movie. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So it's yeah, and it's, even it's before, dude, like, even Brian Cranston. This is really before. Yeah, this is like Breaking Bad. Like, yeah, just this is, is like just starting exactly, to swing man. in, man. Yeah, like so in 2011, true. exactly. Yeah, so, so this is kind of like his uh, not first, uh-huh. but like another push into the serious realm after yeah, Malcolm exactly. in the Middle. Like these people would become cool. way more famous after, except for for Gosling. But even yeah, Gosling right. would be would I mean, go was on in, to was do even some in big La stuff. La Land? Yep, and uh, that was the, huge. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, right, well. exactly. Yep. Yeah, so he's dude. He's got a pretty. Oh yeah. He's pretty tight. He's pretty I'll good. say it. I'll say right. Ryan Gosling's pretty tight. I think he's also... Uh, he's... All right. I love Ryan Gosling. So when I say this, remember that I just said I love Ryan Gosling. He's not the best actor. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think he's the best actor. But what he does do is he's in really good fucking movies, and he he tries his goddamn best. Yeah. And you know what? I like that. I like that a lot. And, I think and so for this role, I he enjoy was him. really good. Yeah. I think like this type character is a perfect fit for right. him. Right. And he's a, he's a cutie pie. I'll get, yeah. He's, pretty, he's a handsome old fella. Yeah. He's a handsome old fella. But he also doesn't like, he doesn't exude some sort of like overly masculine sort of thing. He fits really well with, you know, honestly, he fits really well with millenni- as a millennial yeah. lead man. You know, and and like, agree. yeah, I like him. He's great. You know, yeah. Uh, this so movie is 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 a is uh, a really not a really good um, measure of what he can do as an actor, though. I will say that. Okay, he's a better actor than than this movie. I agree with that. You know? But yeah. th- but that's just the character in the movie. Yeah, it's not really a saying. knock. It's like a perfect him, typecast. You know? It's the same thing with like, like the the you know, if you want to take like because I, since I used Eastwood as an example, like. Eastwood in Fistful of Dollars compared to the character he'd become by The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly are two very different, you know, feelings of characters. Okay, and that's based yeah. on how the writer or the director wants them to be played, you know, more than than the character itself. Yeah. So, so like, we were talking about uh, with uh, Thieves Like Us that uh, Keith Carradine, like, talked so much yeah. in the movie, and there's so much dialogue. It is the total opposite. Yeah, not, <laughs> this, you know? not talking in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much at all. And they are both, like, crazy powerful leads. Yes, yeah. Ryan Gosling, I never have any fear for him. I have fear for other people in this movie, but never him, because yeah. he's so un- undeniably badass. Yeah, 100%. You know, just the so. whole time, he's just a fucking badass. Right, you just know that like he's not going to die until the very end, if, if he's going to die at all. That's right. just... It, feels like that kind of movie yeah you know? exactly but so it made uh 81.4 million dollars yeah so it was a smash baby it was a big smash yeah big yep. smash hit it was like that and uh, we got some cool taglines in this motherfucker some heroes are real so i gotta ask you this when i was looking at this earlier i was like I was asking Olivia and she didn't remember either, but I could have sworn there was like a part in the movie, there was like a song where it was like a hero or something. Am I right about that? I think I could have sworn know. somebody the, like the soundtrack was weird. Yeah, because I could. But it's it, really cool. The the one song that repeats at the beginning and the end is really cool. Yeah, that's true. 
But I could have sworn there was a one point in the film where either someone was like, you're a hero, or there was a song that was like, a hero will save us. Like, it was like oh Nickelback. God, it wasn't Nickelback, you know, but like I could have sworn that something like that. I feel like this was like a shout out to that. And I feel like it might be that okay. shitty song that we're talking about that was in. We're talking about the worst part of this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which During is the, the 25 minute. No, not that long, but that what feels like an hour it long. It does feel like twenty five minutes. Love it might scene. be like twenty minutes. It's long. And it's they like go to the grocery it's probably store, like eight minutes, but like she gets a flat tire yeah. or whatever. And, and then they, they like the pal around and they watch and then movies. They go down to the river mm-hmm. and then they go to the parking garage and walk upstairs yeah. and watch a movie. In in this and dumb this ass song dumb ass place. Song. But I'm pretty sure that song's like you need a hero. It's or like something. a band that like kinda sounded like it wanted to be like yeah. Yola Tango, but just wasn't nearly as good. Yeah, they were like Imagine Dragons meets yeah. Yola Tango. Like, yeah, exactly. They wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> like cool neutral music like soundtrack music feel yeah yeah but they just botched it really bad that movie was that song was weird <laughs> but that and also that scene just drags yeah the, the movie's terrible. fantastic this is not to knock the movie mm. at all but that scene yeah is brutal like i was just saying to you it's like 10 percent or 25 percent awful and it's just that one scene and the rest of it's fantastic right yeah it, everything else <laughs> is amazing yep. like once the movie like actually starts it's amazing but like, i literally have read read online people who said they walked out of the movie during that part of the movie and i'm like well i can see why because you were marketed a fucking muscle car movie <laughs> yeah it's insane <laughs> so um so another tagline is uh there are no clean getaways there aren't. Nope, that's true. Get in, get out, get away. See, like that's, that's another thing about. that yeah. is your at like you're advertising this movie it's that seems like marketing. it's gonna be like mm-hmm. a fucking Fast and the Furious movie or something, you know? Yep. And oh. hey, don't get me wrong, I loved this movie. But if I was some dude who like if I wanted to go to a movie that I saw marketed as a fucking seemingly crime-filled race car movie yeah and i showed up and like the first 30 minutes of this movie is what i got i'd be like i'm fucking out of here right right like it's literally like get the the people you know what's really funny i just thought of this the people they like mismarketed this movie and death proof perfectly if they had just marketed death proof like it was drive and fucking minority you know seriously that's what it feels like because like that's what like like death proof was a muscle car movie yeah and people were like oh it's like a tarantino flick yeah it's probably gonna be and then it was just a muscle car movie yep (laughs) <laughs> oh my god dude what the fuck but I yeah it's it's that. really we we mentioned it earlier it's really deceitful tactic that actually hurts the movie because like if if people it, it's like the studio going for a one-time payoff that's going to cause someone to not want to go see movies anymore in general it hurts them in the long run yeah. to lie to the consumer and sell the movies that, that aren't what they want to see. Yeah. If you sold Drive as the film it was, which is which I would have sold it in the realm, try to go for the Coen Brothers film type of people because that's the type of movie it is. Yeah. It's it's a more it's a thinking man's crime movie. That's what you have to go for. You don't want to get the guys who want to see The Fast and the Furious because they're not going to like your movie. That's the that's the, the whole fucking like why would you market to those people in the first place right. you stupid 
fucking idiots. <laughs> like literally, how do you people even make money? I d- it be th- oh, because you can just literally put the rock in a movie and it'll make nine hundred yep. million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I think you answered your own yeah, question there, really. my friend. Anyway, rant over. Ninety-two percent fresh. <laughs> On Rotten Tomatoes from the uh, critics and uh, 79% from the audience. And there you go. Right there. The audience already. not This movie should be rated in the 90s, but yeah, it's not 100%. because people were lied to. Yeah, exactly. um, Debbie Lynn Elias from Behind the Lens says, Calculating, methodical, high gloss, slick, polished. Wow, that's a lot of adjectives there, yeah. Debbie. Yeah, chill. <laughs> Drive is the neo-noir thriller of, neo-noir thriller of the year. Uh, Matthew Lucas said, a brutal, finely tuned thrill machine that is also a deeply impressive work of art. Sweet. Yeah. User WGK, whose profile pic is a child dabbing, I would (laughs) like to point out. Nice. Yes. Calls it, I thought this was an awful, most boring, pretentious film. I know I am in the minority. This film is pretending to be smart when it comes across as stuck up. Woof. Wow! Ouch! I guess he did. He wanted to see a muscle car movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and user Juliana <laughs> and user Juliana D raves. Terrible movie. I really don't understand why it got good reviews. <laughs> <laughs> she raves. Right? But again, I, like I was saying earlier on in the show, man, these we we laugh at these people, but that is a real thing when these people were lied to. That's and they feel that they feel like, hey, what the fuck, Hollywood? You're just sell me the movie I want to see. I, if I don't want to go see that movie, don't sell that to me. Just so you can boost the numbers for the fucking movie, you know? Right, right. It's a sad, sad thing. Yeah, it's fucking sad, baby. <laughs> uh, fucking September 16th, 2011. Yes. That's when this movie came out. It did. Uh, so the movies came out the same day. Uh, I don't know how she does that. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yep. Apparently, <laughs> she sells wine now. Found that out today. Really? Yeah. There's a wine. There's Sarah Jessica Parker brand. Isn't wine. she uh, married to that guy who got into a car accident in Ireland in the eighties? Oh, uh, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, yeah. the one that killed. <laughs> yeah, inve- yeah. Yeah. Investigate that. Yeah. Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Figure that out. Come on. <laughs> um, Straw Dogs. <laughs> What is that? Straw Dogs It's remake. a remake of the Sam Peckinpah Straw Dogs movie. Oh, oh you've never seen Straw Dogs. Oh, it's going yeah. on the list then. Oh, it's great. Have you ever Dogs. seen The Wild Bunch? No. Oh, we got it. <laughs> oh, God. I got to show you a Sam Peckinpah movie. All oh, right, they're fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, and Top Cat movie. Yeah, All which right. I was like, what? And I looked this up and I was like, what? This exists? I didn't. I don't remember this at all. I, <laughs> I do I don't not know. remember Top yeah, Cat the movie. I don't think that was a movie. I don't. Believe it exists. 2011, too? 2011, yeah. I don't know about that one. That was only eight years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um. So then movies... Only eight years ago. Jesus yeah, Christ. Oh, my God. Right. Uh, and then around then, we had uh, our weird movie of the week, Shark Night 3D. Yes. Um. Con- Contagion? Contag- Contagion. Contagion. Yeah, which made like $200 million, but another one. I don't remember that movie yeah, at all. Yeah, I don't know what that movie is. I don't think it exists. Yeah. I'm I don't think 2011 exists. Yeah, this is Dude, a blur. This is, is this that blur. whole thing? Is this literally that whole the thing? Berenstain, Berenstain? Yeah, no, but like the 2011. whole- Yeah, 2012, John Cusack, The World Ended. What? And this is like a, some crazy like- not real future wow, crazy or we like or like the universe splits 
that you we're in a different universe now because like I do not remember Contagion. I don't remember that. It made two hundred million dollars. Don't quote me on that, I'm but I'm gonna, pretty but sure like, I did. I picked hit, it because like, out of all the, oh, I will say this: it made the most money other than Drive out of all the movies around here. So maybe it wasn't that much, but it made a couple million dollars. Like uh, yeah, like I mean, ten plus it's more than ten million dollars. Okay, okay, so. But Still, I was like, I don't know. It I've mo- never even heard of that. It sounds like it's an outbreak movie. Is it's it a monster sm- movie? No, like a disease movie, probably. It's a disease movie. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's my guess. It's, it's called Contagion. It makes sense. That's Contagion. I, I was, I, That's I, Contagion. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Real Street came out that steel. year. A Real Steel. Yes. Another one that... Dude, did 2011 <laughs> like happen? I don't know about this. Oh, because well, I kn- I, oh, do I do know, know this. Tucker, yeah. I do know uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, and oh, so. I also know this one that in the U.S. Maroon Five featuring Extina were just banging along with their song "Moves Like Jagger." Yeah, that's a jam. Which like like what the fuck is that song? Dude, that I got the moves like Jagger. Look, this is what <laughs> happens. When white people get exposed to hip hop, eventually this happens. A song that is like a white guy's version of like what hip hop does, you know what I mean? Like moves like Jagger just feels like a line that would be like in a in a hip hop song or it'd be like the idea behind a hip hop song. Not 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 really because they wouldn't use Mick Jagger because he's like nine thousand years old or whatever. Yeah, but like yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like they'd be like, oh I'm this like this. It's a very like yeah, it's no, become a very posh thing to do in, in rap. And then you have like a feature of somebody on it too. Like it's just like no Maroon Five stop. Yeah. Stop Adam, with this fucking Adam shit. Stop Mick I understand okay, Mick Jagger, I get it. He's in better shape than I am as a thirty three year old man at his age of like four thousand. Yeah, but exactly. It's he's miraculous that he's still it's alive. just like I don't know. The whole thing is so strange to me. I totally agree, dude. It's a fucking weird <laughs> right? concept. And then in the UK they have this song called Stay Awake by Example. And we're just gonna like play a few bars of this oh here it comes and it's just like straight up like house dubstep wow i think this is the number one song this is the number one song in the uk yeah oh where's the drop what is going on in the uk right now Fucking bullshit! Then drop on the mad watch. After I spank him, sees tune into channel for a big nasty show with Mo. Go, fat boy, go! Is there? Is that? Is this eight years ago? I. But still. Oh. I know the 1980s was 20 years ago, and so was 2000. Yes, 2011. 2000. Oh God! You know what's really crazy is that. All right, so I'm done with this song. Yeah, turn this. It's like that, like festival shit. But like, you know what's really crazy? Disco, like silent discos. All these people. Do you ever think headphones on (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's totally like. But they're not. No, they're not wooks though. They're the very. They're the, I have seen Wooks listen to yeah, this. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is like there's <laughs> it's it's not the Wooks that scare me. It's the it's like I don't know what you call them, but they're like the Wooks with money. 
I like the Trustafarian. Yeah, Trustafarian. There yeah, you go. Yeah, 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 right. That's a good one. Yeah. I was trying to think of something that sounded more like Wook. Yeah. But like Trustafarian <laughs> is what they are. Yeah, yeah. Where they're like scary because they have like money. So like they literally have, they, like, they have like abandoned all hope ye who enter here into <laughs> their life in a scary way. Like those Wooks, like I, I've seen some, some people like that who frightened me with their reckless abandon with their own life. <laughs> and like at least like some of the, the crunchy Wooks, as gross as they are, they're like they're like trying to be healthy as misguided as some of that is and like you're like all right at least you're not like (laughs) trying to like kill yourself so that your like rich dad recognizes that you exist like that sort of feels like some of the but anyway uh rant over (laughs) (laughs) so yeah video games are also wicked sick bro um, except for this first one, which makes me sad because Gears of War three, if I remember correctly, that was the one where Dom died. Oh shit! Oh and yeah, two thousand eleven. Yeah, two thousand eleven. Yeah, games, yep. me and my buddy Nick played that game. Like, uh, we played the first three of those games together, and like, we always were were Dom and Marcus, and that was like the whole thing. We'd always get pissed off if like we got split up from each other and had to play with a computer teammate in, in like the, the co-op game. <laughs> and then fucking Gears of War 3 comes around. I'm like, bro, come over. Let's play Gears of War 3. And he comes over. And then his he was dumb yeah. because it was my game. <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, but and then fucking Tom gets killed in the game. And you're almost like, what the fuck? No. And he had to play as like the blonde dude, which is way worse. He should have been able to play as Freight Train or whatever his name was. The, the the anyway <laughs> gears of war rat <laughs> completed but yeah the 2011 we had some more fun games including call of juarez the cartel uh resident evil 4 hd remaster and kirby mass attack um as well the 3ds came out and the top we like th- the 3DS. yeah 3ds is awesome and the top three games of the year were batman arkham city strangely enough the elder scrolls 5 skyrim and Portal 2. Hell yes, I like Portal yeah, 2. I love Portal 2 a lot. A lot of and Skyrim. fun. I like the Elder Scrolls a lot. Skyrim's fun. Portal 2 came out like a week or two after my birthday. Yeah. And it was tight. Yeah, I, I enjoyed a it. a fuck ton of Portal. Do you like, <laughs> like two weeks. Did you ever play the uh, co-op campaign on that? Yep. Yeah, really fun. I like how so it, it's fun. like a completely, totally different experience when you, when you do that. And that's really what that game should be. It's like when... When you can actually be like, yeah, game company, you actually went the extra mile instead of just like throwing me like the, you know, crap, right. <laughs> you know, for because you don't want to spend money. Yeah, exactly. So. Do you see that new Half-Life thing they're doing? That's like the VR game. Dude, that is like the fucking Metal Gear Solid 3 Pachinko machine. What a thrill. In Japan. I'm it's so just like pissed. a slap in the face. Yeah, it really is. so pissed. It's like, come on, you, know, you know what the yeah. people want. <laughs> uh, this is my, this is, I actually just did this recently. Um, this is my thing about this. Uh, everyone go out on Steam and buy the Half-Life collection, Half-Life 1 and 2, which includes Blue Shift and Opposing Force and Source and yeah. all the Half-Life 2 expansions or sequels or whatever. Um, I don't know. Every if if millions of people did that, maybe Valve would actually like recognize that they should work on Halo Three and make it because I really want to see Halo Three. Half Life Three. I'm so, oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> Edit that. Kevin. Um, I really want to see. Ha- I always do that. It's a weird thing my brain does. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, I really want to see uh, Half-Life 3. It's like one It's one of the few games that I actually really care yeah. about the story, as convoluted and crazy as it is. And I really want to see what they can do next. Yeah, I enjoyed I the second one. You know, something serious. Yeah. We need that shit to come out. Yep. Uh, so that I and need to and Half-Life Three. Several rants. Yeah, sorry, it's, we're mm. we're full of emotion. It's the end of season three. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, top toys in 2011. So this is a lot of crazy shit we got yeah. up here. <laughs> um, so the Nerf Vortex Nitron Blaster. Let your kids work out their disagreements in a battle royale style shootout with the first fully automatic clip lead disc God. blaster in the Nerf Vortex line. Can, can they just stop militarizing <laughs> Generation Y or whatever they're called Unreal. for a second? Real. Jesus Christ! All these kids first are going to be like automatic multi. I am. I'm literally scared of getting old because all these kids are going to be like marksmen as fuck from playing all this Fortnite. Oh my God! And all they've been playing. Nerf First-person yeah. shooters their entire They're going to have all these like battle royale tactics, and I'll just be an old man cowering in a bunker like, please <laughs> don't kill me. <laughs> oh, I'm terrified of Generation Y. Come on, please don't treat us like boomers. <laughs> I think it'll be uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> the Moshling Treehouse. That's interesting. I don't know yeah. what a Moshling is. Yeah, neither do I. Doggy do. <laughs> it's <laughs> just <laughs> dog shit. Yeah, it's the dog poop. Hey. Uh, Fahidi friend. I think that's fidget. Fidget. Uh, fidget. Fahidi friend. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fidget. We're I don't know though. Fahidi friend on that one. I don't know. Um, these. I just put these down here because of the names. Fireman Sam. Pawnee Pandy. Pawnee. Is that what it is? Pawnee Pandy. Yes, listener. I have to remind you. These are all real. <laughs> yeah, these are real. This toys. is actually. I'm, I'm I'm blind reading these right now. <laughs> these are and from I'm as shook as you are. <laughs> these are from a list of this is from a site from like a holiday toys for for 2011 list like that um, I found on the internet. Ki- Kitty Zoom Twist. <laughs> what dude? What are these? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Leap Pad Explorer. Okay, I understand yeah. that. That's probably like some sort of jumping around thing for right. toddlers. Yep. Uh, and then <laughs> let's go. Uh, let's rock Elmo. Yeah, that is. I'm pretty sure that is the Elmo with the leather jacket, and he's like holding his hands up oh, and like the rock. I thought it was thing. one. Does he like rock back and forth or something? I don't know. I, anyway, I don't know. I think that's like a real Elmo thing where he just is holding his hands yeah. up in the rock and roll. It thing definitely just, like, feels like head bang. Yeah, it's like you know of the tr- from the, the the family tree of Tickle Me Elmo. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it's Tickle Me Elmo's great Post, great 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 yeah. grandson. Post rock yeah. Elmo. The fuck is wrong with you kids? <laughs> with these fucking toys. Yeah, what the fuck? Where the fuck is He Man? Tahiti friend, come on, <laughs> just get some, just get a wrestling yeah. action figure set with a ring and a Hell in a Cell <laughs> built around right. it. <laughs> um, yeah, so drive, drive, yeah. Drive. Um, so aside from all the like the the few negative things we did say, uh, I love this movie. Yeah, it's really fun. It it has lots of great dynamics between characters, like uh, Thieves Like Us. It's another like, and actually like Blood Simple too, but a, a little bit less so. I feel like maybe just a few characters in Blood Simple have this, whereas this film again, it's kind of feels across the board. You have just yep. they're they're different. They're each one of them feels different from the last one, and and that creates a sense of reality that that 
works, especially in a film like this, which is a super based on like every 70s grindhouse, you know, like badass dude sort of muscle car movie, but with a lot more to say underneath that. Yeah. So like I'm I'm really interested in what this movie does because it's it um like satisfies a lot of centers of my brain like intellectually yeah. and like oh that dude's head just got blown off yeah you know? seriously i love it <laughs> yeah, you, you meet your crossroads of like wanting a complex uh story and wanting like some like pretty interesting character development <laughs> while also getting like a gritty fucking like right. gore it's essentially shakespeare you know? yeah <laughs> but yeah it it, it, satisf- it satisfies everything. And it it's even has a bit of, like, comedy. It obviously has lots of drama. It has romance. Yeah. Which is kind of where the film fails, but not because romance isn't good. It's just this particular romance doesn't really work for me. Yeah. And well, a lot, a lot of nothing happens for, yeah. like, a lot of the like the the romance well i think like to compare it to the romance we talked about earlier in thieves like us which felt so genuine it's not that this one doesn't because i do think there is a solid chemistry between them but i think actually ryan gosling has more of a chemistry with the kid and i think that that's actually like supported by the story that's not just like oops wrong one you're supposed to fall in love with the girl but now you're just like want to be this kid's dad so bad or something right, you know right, right. but that works because the character really isn't about the carnal as much as he really is like a heroic ronin samurai slash you know nameless gunslinger type archetype so he is pure yeah, like in, 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 in to an almost childlike level in this film, and it's in, it's an interesting type of character to try to pull off in 2011, and the fact they did is like m- more power to them, I guess. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this movie is about I guess what a guy think, who. Yeah, it's a guy who's like he's a <laughs> stunt driver mm-hmm. for movies. He he does yes. he does on stunt driving. And you're introduced to him in the movie as a getaway driver for a crime. Yep. Uh, so clearly he's doubling both of those jobs. You know, he just, he's like the movies advertised right. is a guy who's all about cars. He works in an auto body shop also. Uh, and it's like him just living his life and then meets the love interest here. And his next door uh, neighbor, yeah, his next door neighbor, Caesar uh, at house or whatever. And then her car breaks down and it's like, oh, you're my neighbor. She right. starts. Then it goes on to that 20 minute love scene we were talking about earlier, basically. And then uh, the kids father's in jail, gets out of jail. Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Yep. Handsome man. Chiseled jawline. Yeah, I love Oscar Isaac. Love Great actor, too. Fantastic actor. Uh, and then he's uh, in jail from crime stuff, and then somehow Ryan Gosling's character just all of a sudden is now intertwined in this guy's crime. Right. Well, because it's and like it, it's really interesting. I love that that, again, another interesting dynamic between them where it's like he comes back and is like kind of giving him the like, oh, so like you're like helping my wife. Yeah, when I was in jail, like okay, but doesn't go like full asshole like what you think he is when when you first see it. Like you're like, yeah, is he gonna like be like, oh, I'll kick your ass or something? No, he just is like, all right, cool. Let mommy talk to her friend and like walks away. It's very yeah. He's an interesting character, and their dynamics are interesting because he is like also in trouble, 
And he has to focus on that, which is aside from anything that has to do with Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And of course, Ryan Gosling comes in and he's all like, well, I'll help you because he's yeah. Mr. Fucking Honor. So he has to help everyone always because yeah. he's basically, Super actually, Olivia said this, he's basically like driving Jesus in this movie. He is like pure and, and like unadulterated in, in so many ways. Like yeah. it's, it's interesting uh, character choice, but. No, you're totally right. Yeah. It's, it's just so, like, un, like so forgiving and selfless right. the entire movie. And, like, even there's the interesting dynamic, too, with him and, and Shannon, played by uh, Brian Cranston, where it's, like, they're, like, sh- he's always thinking about, you know, the bad thing, and Ryan Gosling's trying to be, like, dude, get your, you, you know, he's trying to, like, show him that there's an honorable path, even yeah. in this life of crime, you know? Because like it's weird, he's like that that his whole his whole thing where he's get you you get a five minute window and then he just I guess he just drops you off after five minutes. Yeah, he's like, right. bye wherever the fuck you are. Yeah, like, but like it. I guess he's so good that like he you know whatever he's like the best. But it just seems kind of kind of like you know he, what he's really doing is being like. You know, I need the money. I'll help you any way I can, but I'm not going to be complicit in your crimes because I'm too honorable. Right. It's a weird, like, fine line yeah, he that carry he's right. A gun, like, right, right. Yeah. And and so it almost makes him feel like he's vulnerable yet invincible. And I don't know. It just everything about it is a very weird character choice to take in 2011. And I really applaud the movie for going that way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I do get the qualms we were talking about earlier because that's not necessarily what the market seems to right. be like pushing. Right. But it's good that they did this movie. I mean, essentially, you know? they should have pushed it as a gangster movie. Yeah. Because that's really what it is when you when you get down to it. You know, you the the main plot is that he runs afoul of you know Nino and and uh, Finding Nemo's dad. And that leads to their downfall. Yeah. You know, he tries to essentially they rip them off and then gets, you know, screwed. And so then they're on the run from bigger bad guys. Um, One of my favorite scenes in the movie is that whole robbery scene where Oscar Isaac's gets fucking assassinated well, when he walks out yeah. of the pawn shop or yeah. whatever yeah, yeah, yeah that is that is really great yeah. and it, it that's the first time you realize like the violence level of the movie which again as i said earlier then progresses to the next scene where Dude, where the, she gets her head yeah, blown she gets her off, head blown off uh, through Christina. the wall is the, one of yeah. the craziest turns of yeah. that movie it it's like you see it coming but you don't realize it and i heard or i read somewhere online um someone put it like the director like doesn't turn your eye away from it. It like holds on it just long yeah. enough that you like see all of it. And that one in particular, like her fucking head exploding is just brutal. And yeah. it holds on for like one second longer than it should just to let you like take it all in. It's very quick still, but it like lets you really feel that moment like viscerally yeah, it's, it's like raw man yeah it's fucking raw that and like the head stomp scene oh the yeah elevator, I, yep. like i'd say pretty much all the violence from yeah. that point on because i mean uh, the oscar isaac one too less for its violence but more for it how it comes out of nowhere yeah totally um, yeah, the, but the, but yeah from that point it. on all of the violence is very very deliberate but also like 
like put on you know, with like a spotlight on yeah, it for yeah. just an extra little bit and then it's like not you know to the levels of gore porn type shit but it yeah, is to yeah, the yeah. levels of like really making you wonder when the next time that's going to happen is going to be yeah because clearly at the after the head blowing up you're like all right who everything's next? yeah everything's yeah. <laughs> off the table like whatever i exactly. thought about this like exactly. people's safety in this movie is just completely yep. gone um a thing that i remember <laughs> the first time i watched it the thing that really like didn't stress me out i guess about the movie but it was hard to like put my mind behind was the pacing of everything yes in like the first like half of the yes. movie you know like leading into like your deep <laughs> thick plot the pacing of it, it just seems like thing after thing happens with no explanation mm -hmm. for like a 30 minute period. Yeah. You know, it feels weird. Yeah. I would say until really up until the scene where Oscar Isaac gets killed. Yeah. That's when yeah, it, exactly. That's it, when it's it really like that moment. Yeah. Down. It's really that moment where, because it's too much of a like mundane day to day drama for that section which is is it, it, here's the weird thing it's like double-edged sword or whatever because without it you're not off guard it lulls you and right. so when pff, gunshot you're like whoa oh, yeah, fuck. Like, oh, shit, oh and shit, then shit. everything else just ramping and ramping and ramping so it's almost like as much as I I shit talk it, I'm joking because it's I think it's necessary for it not only to establish Ryan Gosling's character, which is really important to establish that he is a good person who truly cares about her as a person, and that's another really interesting thing about this movie that like I think is really maybe it's really understated when I read about it is that. The male lead does not treat the female lead as a sex object only in this film. Right. And, like, really cares about yeah, he sits down and has her. With their fucking yep, family. And her, like, yeah, cares about her son, her family. Like, it's very. And it really establishes him as, like, super honor man. And, but it, as I was saying before, it also makes you feel like this is what this movie's going to be about. And I've heard people literally say, like, oh, this movie sucks because it's just some stupid romantic movie. And I go, you literally didn't watch the whole movie. Right. Yeah. Because you don't know what happens after yeah. about halfway through when it kicks off. Movie, yeah. You don't know what yeah. happens in the movie. And it needs that period in order for the next half of the movie yeah. to really get you. Yeah. Because you weren't ready for it. 100%. And, and now that you're on, and now that you've been, your, your whole. Um, you know, the rug has been pulled out from under you. So now you're waiting for that to happen again. And it's brilliant. It really is. Oh, and, you know, so I, I am joking when I say that I really do think this movie is five star movie. Yeah. hundred you know? percent. I yeah. agree with that. And it's in fact, five star movie. I so does the group because this film has been pretty highly rated in our top films of the decade. Yes. list so and and on our top films we've covered list yeah i think so, it might be yeah. like the it might be the second top right now for the yeah, ones we we'll, covered in this season yeah you'll hear about that yeah, in our we'll next talk about episode. that in the next yeah. one so but, but yeah. yeah it is it is very good movie uh i really really enjoyed it 
and that means we have a little bit of a conundrum on our hands because yep. we have two fives. So we're gonna have to figure out which one we like the best or better, I guess. Hell yeah. Uh Dylan, what do you think? I'm going blood simple, drive, and then thieves like us. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna do the same thing. Yep. Um Blood it's, Simple is fucking. Yeah, Blood awesome, Simple is really man. out of this world. Uh I do really enjoy all three films again this week. We have yeah, another this is a one. Banger of an yeah, episode. Another another good one where all the films are good. And I really think it, it was tough because I really, really enjoy Drive. But I just, I don't feel like that any point in Blood Simple drags, yet it achieves the same feelings. You know, so while I did just defend <laughs> Drive for being boring and, and being, you know, shallow for the point where it, to lull you, Blood Simple did the same thing by tricking you with characters and with character development and then made a, a, a like, you know, all these crossing paths and crossing allegiances and, I you know, people not able to see each other's truth that pulled off the same sort of feelings in the ending and the same sort of, like, excitement and fear in a viewer in the the final half of the film which is where everything gets really you know really kicks off as well you know because just like drive the beginning of blood simple is slow oh, for yeah, what very... it is but you're more engaged yeah you know and i think that that's important so like it's not by much i feel but i do yeah i do think blood simple is yeah. the best movie this week yeah it is it's a winner winner chicken dinner for us so that means we have come to the episode ending of episode 39. 39. Our next episode, which we are going to record after this, but it's going to be fun, is yeah, going to be up, the wrap-up. Yeah. Um, wrapping up the year, wrapping up the decade, and talking about all the movies that we have covered, essentially, in little snippets. So... That means we will soon be starting season four. We're going to be changing things a little bit around here. Um, three movies an episode is becoming a lot to juggle. And sometimes I feel like we have to rush through certain things instead of having the discussions that I feel like we could have in episodes like, say, uh, House 2, where we talked about The Shining and had a really long and in-depth discussion about lots of different stuff in that movie. I'd like to do more stuff like that. And I know you would too, Dylan. Yeah, a million percent. Definitely. I think we might, you know, it just gives us a little bit more of an opportunity to dig deeper into certain things, you know, mm -hmm. rather than, you know, we don't want to skimp you on yeah things that are in our brain. You know? Yeah. We want to dig into like, that. We want to talk about those things. Right. And I feel like it also means we'll be able to do... We'll actually be able to cover more movies by covering less yeah, movies two, per episode. Yeah, I mean, we'll just blast through them. Right. Any movies that we want to watch, you guys want to watch, you know, so we're doing it. So the way we're going to be doing this format will basically be that uh, the each one of us will go back and forth picking themes as well as we'll uh, sort of every couple episodes pick a theme that the group will vote on. And uh, we will pick a movie in that theme that the other person hasn't seen and the group will continue to pick their movie as they do and it'll just be two movies 
but it'll allow us to do two films a week. And like I was saying, every once in a while, we'll do a film that the group picks where it's just we'll be covering the one film. Um, and we're going to try that for season four and see how that goes. And I don't know. Go from there. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. You know, change it up a little bit. So, yeah, at this point, we don't have a next episode as of yet. So stay tuned for that. Um, but we will have our wrap-up episode coming out shortly. So do stay tuned for that. And as always, good night, good luck, and go fuck yourself. Thank you. Fuck you. <laughs> and have a good time doing it. Thanks, guys. Bye. I know, I know I've let you down. From Sarasota, Florida, beautiful city on the Gulf of Mexico, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Intercontinental Champion of the World. Talking about history, talking about history, one date, uh, yeah, just in my mind, February the 8th, in Boston, Massachusetts, at the Boston Garden, yeah, where Larry Bird plays basketball, yeah, and the Boston Celtics are a real tough team. But uh, I think that if I played basketball, man, the way I am and the super athlete that I am, I would overshadow Larry Bird. Because on that particular night in Boston, I was the greatest professional wrestler in the world. Oh, proud. Yeah, I'm proud. Oh, my God. What the fuck just happened? What do you mean what happened? What are you, blind? Jesus! We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you! I don't know! I'm one of the biggest legends and stars ever in this God! And your teeth look like too tight too, Billy! And you book a match with me against Ryan Keelans! Look at me! I'm a total package! I will rip him apart! I'm pissed now!